Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Monday morning. It's whizzed through this weekend, hasn't it? You've only got one more day of sunshine. Or have we had it? I can't remember. Anyway, I think the rains return this week. <clears throat> Very boring, isn't it, really? Uh, Russia ups the ante on Syria. Billy Piper and the Laurence Olivier Awards. My goodness me, Harry Potter did well. It uh, took away nine... Nine awards. Fantastic. I'm told it's sensational. I so wanted an American in Paris to do well because it's such a clever show. They work so hard and uh, the whole thing is just beautiful. If you're looking for a, a real good show... Go see an American in Paris. Paris. Uh, summer arrives, as I say, but just for the, the day, the very wicked deception. A woman who decided to try and con her friends into believing she had cancer. Katie Price wants to front an X-rated version of Loose Women to show off her filthy sense of humour. Nobody's interested, dear. You're passé now. You're passé. You were past it years ago. To show off your filthy sense of humour. Why would that be of any interest to somebody? I'm sorry, dear. Nobody cares. Least of all about you. Harry Styles probably won't get to number one in the charts. Uh, the reason being, they've done something on Spotify or something. Anyway, whatever. It turns out that loads of his fans can't sort of download his record. But, I mean, you know, it happens. Uh, it's the funeral today of PC Keith Palmer. He's uh, currently residing uh, at the Palace of Westminster. Do you know you have to get the Queen's permission? She has to grant permission for somebody's body to uh, to lie down there. He was moved in yesterday. I say moved in because I still think these, these people are alive. I just sort of think, I hope there's people there. When I watched back, as you know, I do it every so often just to sort of reaffirm my faith in the great British public. I watched Winston Churchill's funeral. Um, and it's it's just sensationally done, but his body lay in state as well, I think in Westminster Hall. And they had four four people at each corner of the catafalque. And uh, they're just standing there with their heads down. How long they stood there for, I don't know. They had to stand there and then they got replaced every so often. Very moving, very moving. And that's what I would like to uh, to think would be there for PC Keith Palmer. Big, uh, a big funeral today. Birthday, apparently. Birthday today. We're not telling anybody how old you are. I think 32 is great. There's nothing the matter with being 32. Goodness sake, honestly. Still getting it. The Australian producer's birthday has... You're not 25... I have checked. I've checked. I went onto Wikipedia. It says you're 32. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry if that's, you know, the fact you have to lie about how old you are, I think, shows what a shallow existence you're in. Really is disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. You know, why you just can't man up and tell people how old you are, as opposed to sort of making some big thing about, you know, I'm only 25. If you think you're talking to me, you're quite clearly not. So, but it's very sweet. <laughs> you're obviously pushing the button and speaking to perhaps nobody in the building, which is roughly your life, isn't it? Uh, it's the end for early morning pints at the airport. So many people go to the airport, don't they? Many Australians. And they go, oh, got a long flight ahead of us, mate. Uh, got to have a beer. So they have a beer. I've got your sandwich for your birthday. Don't, don't be grateful. I've laced it. And um, <laughs> don't worry. You'll not make it down to reception, I'm telling you. <laughs> Uh, also, Santa, uh, sorry, Saturday night's not right. Uh, Anton Deck let a quiz flop win. <laughs> Luckily, anthrax, you can't smell anything. It's fine. <laughs> it's great. It's one of those things. Uh, Harper Becker sits on horse. Horse looks very depressed. Horse looks very depressed. Uh, it's, it's got a very long face. It's very funny. And, of course, it's another photo opportunity for the uh, for the dreary Beckhams. I mean, one of these days they'll actually go out and nobody will take a picture of them. That'll be a sad time. Uh, guess who turned up looking the uh, last turkey in the shop? Nancy Delusional. She went to the uh, 
to the Olivier's. I don't know why, what she was doing there. She's not even anything to do with theatre. Although her whole life is a wee bit of a drama. So she uh, she turned up in this in this ghastly outfit. I mean, really ghastly outfit. But uh, there again, I mean, she's looking looking so peculiar at the moment. I don't know what whether she's had her face rearranged or whether or not I don't know what it is. I can't. I, I looked at the picture. I couldn't work out whether or not it was just bad camera angle uh, or whether or not she um, she's just aged and we haven't sort of noticed. Uh, when Sir Clive's pole dancer. Sorry, what Sir Clive Sinclair's pole dancer didn't reveal in her interview the other day with the Mail on Sunday, it turns out he took out a violence order against her. Mind you, you know what those pole dancers are like. You know, hard as nails, they tell me. Hard as nails. But uh, anyway, it's nice. And uh, is Damien Hurst sunk? The press have obviously got it in for Damien Hurst. I, th- I thought his stuff looked brilliant. I thought it really, really looked nice. Really looked nice. But there you go. Faddy Paddy at Eviction Lies... Um, the family want him out, apparently, according to the papers. This is George Michael's ex-boyfriend. And um, and they want to sell the houses, presumably to add to the, uh, the ever-growing coffers. I'm still convinced that is an old will. Still convinced. Uh, also, um, what's the other one today? Oh, yes, the, the rebranding of Mickey Flanagan. I keep turning on the, uh, the television and I keep seeing all these adverts of Mickey Flanagan. Talk about unfunny. Blimey. I mean, the advert for the programme is boring enough as it is. And so they've had to do a two-page spread in the sun to try and drum up some sort of interest. He's another one of these comedians who's just not funny. Uh, Also, uh, staff in a kebab shop um, uh, have to pour boo... Not booze, uh, pop. You know, fizzy fizzy drinks. Over two women, I use the term loosely... Uh, to stop them fighting. Didn't seem to make any difference. They just carried on fighting. What sort of people go out... Oh, chavs. Sorry, I forgot about that. And uh, and sort of low-life people who go out and start a fight in a kebab shop. I mean, you've got to be pretty drunk by the time you... Get, what? You've got to be pretty drunk by the time you get to the kebab shop, haven't you? If you start a fight in there and start throwing chicken wings around and chips and stuff like that. And uh, do you remember the story the other day? We ran it on LBC. I had a modicum of sympathy. I don't have any more, as you'll discover very shortly. The woman who... Um, lost her dog on the motorway and she goes running around the M4 and gets killed. And I did say that if you go running around on a motorway with cars, there is a very good chance one of them's going to hit you. And it did. And all I kept thinking was at the time, Connors. Connors, why does that name ring a bell? Connors, why does that name ring? Well, you know who she is or was, don't you? She's the uh, the gran whose, um, whose family of travellers have just been jailed for something like uh, 40 years, something like that, I think, uh, for keeping slaves. What they were doing was entrapping people who had drink problems and uh, making them. So it's kind of goes... So they're all in prison. Her husband's in prison, her sons are in prison, the cousin's in prison. In fact, the whole family are in prison because they're those sort of people. And um, uh, they, they want a temporary release on compassionate grounds so they can attend her funeral. I don't know. Would you do that? Would you do that for somebody? They've only just been jailed, actually. They were jailed in uh, 2012. I thought I recognised their name. So the, the headline is Gypsy Slave Links of Gran Killed on M4. Now, whether or not she was a gypsy or a traveller, I've got no idea. But I suddenly remembered what a vile family they turned out to be. Because, uh, you know, to go to prison for a long time for what they were doing, they were keeping people chained up in sheds. I mean, seriously, they were the lowest of the low, the scuzziest of the scuzz. You know who gets abused every day? Shopkeepers. Shopkeepers get abused every day. The reason is that somebody goes in and goes, gets a pint of lager or a tin of lager or whatever it is, and um, 
And what? So, uh, so they, they do. He's overstaying his time, isn't he, this morning? There's obviously no party to go home to, is there? There's nothing, nothing going on on your birthday, you know? You get to 32 and you suddenly realise that, really, that's the sad indication of the state of your life when... Does he think he's talking to me again? Or is he... Who's he talking to? Is he talking to somebody? No, he's not talking to me. No. Yeah. It, it's, it's probably going up to uh, somebody's office... Oh, that's nice. All oh, right. No, you're very welcome. Honestly, seriously, it's only it's only just to pretend. It's not real. You've got to give it back in a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just wrote it because he was watching me, and I thought, oh, God, I better make it look as I'm doing something. But anyway, so I'm, I've given him a little present, apart from the sandwich and a packet of crisps. It's nice, isn't it? That's, that's, it doesn't doesn't really say very much, does it? When you, I'd, have, I'd have brought a lovely card, but frankly, I don't want to waste the money. So I'm far too mean. Anyway, um, what was I saying? Oh, yes. 6,000 shopkeepers every day get abused by people who they have asked for their age, proof of age. You go in, you want to buy, you know, beers or whatever it is, and they go, can I see proof of identity? Well, I mean, to be honest with you, I don't know why they bother. Because these kids make this stuff up on the internet. You you can go to the internet and make all sorts of stuff, can't you? And uh, so that's why girls get into nightclubs and into bars, because they've just forged this thing. And they go, oh, it looks like, you know, you've been born in whatever year it was, so they can get into the bar. But 6,000 shopkeepers a day. Who would be a shopkeeper? There's no, there's no fun in it anymore, is there? There's no fun in a lot of things, you know, certainly not in birthdays. I began to wonder, actually, at what age you cease to have a birthday where all your friends come round and bring you a present. At what age did that happen? Is it about... It's 25, when, when they cease to come round and you sit there and the only person who buys you a sandwich and a packet of crisps and a little envelope, you know, is a person who can't really stand you at all, but has to tolerate you. That's why it's, it's sort of, it's so, this is like the best acting job in the world. You can pretend to somebody from another country, uh, in this case Australia, that you actually are interested in them, not, not remotely. Really, he was he was unhappy when you wished him happy birthday. I can imagine because he probably sees his life ebbing away now. I should imagine, must be still stuck on my program. I mean, goodness sake! I mean, honestly, you should have been in rehab by now. You know, we like to make people feel welcome on this program, and I'd like to make you, Mike, feel as welcome as <laughs> I couldn't think of what I was going to make you feel as welcome as uh, somebody who was Nancy Delolio's dress designer. You must be pretty happy with the tatty creation you've turned out. Uh, Harry Styles, as I say, won't get to number one. This is all to do with, I think it's Spotify. They do the charts in a different way now, and I'm not sure how it works. So I'll try and unravel that later on. Plus the skint schools, drop a dress size and eat Easter chocolates. How expensive are your Easter eggs? Very, very expensive. Really expensive. We've got some that go up to... Over £1,000 for an Easter egg. I suppose it depends if you've really got a lot of money to spend and you want to, to buy somebody the gift that uh, you, you can get them covered in real gold and stuff like that, because you can eat gold, can't you, if they hammer it out thin enough. And uh, so that's it. But, I mean, will you be spending money on Easter eggs? I don't know. I've got some chocolate in the boot of my car. I might bring it in tomorrow when the producer will be older than he is today. It's nice, isn't it, really? You know, today, you're this age, tomorrow... More grey hairs. You know what it's like. It doesn't get any better, does it? And still single. But uh, he was telling me his, his his chat up lines the other day, which I might reveal to you a little bit later on. They were really good. I mean, honestly, seriously. You know, really like uh, get your coat, Sheila. You've pulled. You know, and that always works, doesn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Monday. We just had to do a hug. Oh dear, honestly. Seriously, I should have to get checked out by the hospital a bit later. I should imagine. God knows what we could pick up. 
<laughs> All sorts of strange things. Anyway, it's nice to be company this morning. I hope you're well. hope you had a nice weekend. Do you know, you can always tell when the weather is good. Because you go out to the supermarkets and what have they sold out of? Burgers. What else? Bread rolls. People were coming out of Costco yesterday with trolleys piled high for the obligatory British one-day-in-the-year barbecue. That's what people do, isn't it? We love a barbecue in this country. Let's not sit indoors. Let's go and sit in the garden and get eaten by mosquitoes. So we all go and eat outside and people do burgers and chicken. Somebody will undoubtedly be sick because you haven't cooked the chicken through properly. My advice is always cook it beforehand and then just chuck it on the barbie just to heat it through. Make it a lot easier, I think. Uh, but anyway, we take all your texts and emails. 84850steve@lbc.co.uk, And... Um, We'll weave as many as we can through the programme for this morning. James O'Brien's on holiday for the next two weeks. It's just that just this week. He always t- he takes Easter off for the children. And so you've got covering the programme. Majid is going to be here. I was listening to him yesterday. He's very argumentative. Did you hear that? Very argumentative. On the programme. I sort of sit there in awe because I don't know anything that he's talking about. I just have to sort of sit there and think, maybe I'll understand a few bits of this coming up later on. But uh, that was quite entertaining. Who else was I listening to? Heard a little bit of Katie Hopkins's interruption. I did hear Russell Brand, yes. Which I believe they're playing back because then she went into his studio. <laughs> Big trouble there. <laughs> Never take on somebody like that who, who, who has a little entourage with them as well at the same time. And uh, what else did I hear yesterday? I think I heard loads of stuff. I didn't hear my interviews back again, but I'm told they were very good. And this week, I've only got one interview uh, at the moment, which is with uh, David Badil, which I think is on Thursday. But we've got a few stockpiled interviews. In fact, we've got some very nice stockpiled interviews. And then I think it, I think probably at the moment, so I, today I go home, which is one of those rare occasions. Whereas on a Monday, I like to take Monday and Friday off. And the reason I do that is to sort of recharge my batteries for Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. But of course, interviews never work out like that. It'll always be something happening where you think to yourself, oh, goodness, just when I wanted the time off. And Monday I like, because I've had the weekend and I'm always thinking, right, Monday. So I always text the producer backwards and forwards. So what have we got this week? And he'll go, we've got this, 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 this and this. And so I then have to plan out the week. But uh, at least if the, if the weather's nice, people smile. Have you noticed it? makes people smile having having nice weather people people look happy we were in regent's park yesterday morning walking the dog at the dog i tell you how this dog is still alive i've got no idea apparently the day before two two days ago um uh they were the person who owns him darren was thinking of um of having him put down because he, he couldn't stand up luckily he couldn't get through to the surgery and then the dog makes this recovery again. It's really bizarre. It's the oddest thing ever. I mean, you know, he was told a while ago that this dog, who's about 91 in human years, um, is not going to go for much longer. And we've had a couple of touch-and-go incidents where the dog just collapses and sort of you have to sort of keep it going again. So whatever's going on inside is kind of swings and roundabouts at the moment. Um, if she's eating, you know she's going to be fine. If she doesn't eat, you know she's not going to be fine. But she's on medication, she's on all sorts of things, but she's clinging on to life. I mean, seriously, you wouldn't have known yesterday. If you'd seen this dog in the park, you never would have known that this dog was literally on its last legs. I mean, it's, it's, it's really, it's the miracle and surprise of all surprises. Uh, Call the Midwife gets its first black nurse. Why is that of interest to the papers nowadays? Is that, are they, are they making some sort of statement? I can't understand why. It's taken them this amount of time to find a black nurse. Um, And then I was reading... Oh, yes, because I was praising um, um, an American in Paris, uh, I got retweeted again 
by Justin Lee Jones, who uh, is in it. And I don't know which part he plays, which doesn't really help, does it, actually? But uh, it's such a good show. I mean, seriously, such a good show. They work very, very hard on that. And uh, so I was delighted to uh, to sort of give it a big plug, big big sort of plug in, sort of say how wonderful it was. I said, having seen it, I can only advise you go see it. It's amazing. And it really is absolutely amazing. It's got the cleverest set I've ever seen in my life. Seriously, I could be amused by the set, but because the dancers are so good and it's very... I don't know how to describe it. Contemporary, I think, is the word that they use in the show. But it's it's an old 1931 movie that's been updated for the stage, and it just works. You know, the audience loved it. You'll know the songs. You'll know many of the songs in it. In fact, if you're over the age of 40, you'll know every single song in there as well. So I absolutely loved it, and, uh, and I, I thought it was worth going to see. I can't wait to go and see 42nd Street as well because I'm going to like it for a different reason so my friend Jordan's going to come down and uh, we're going to try and do two shows in a day, a matinee and an evening show, whether or not my body's up to that I'm not too sure, but his favourite show at the moment is Half a Sixpence Um, and so the other day I ordered the film with Tommy Steele in it's a Spanish version but it it plays in English as well. You've just got to have one of those multi-region things. And so I, I sent that up to him, which was delivered yesterday, because I, I said to him, I said, have you ever seen the film of Half a Sixpence? And he said, no, I've never seen it. I said, right. So I, I sent it to him. I got Amazon. I ordered it on Amazon. Sent it up to him. So I hope he's going to enjoy it, because he loves all the songs. But this is to see Tommy Steele doing it, who's, who's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. And still going. Still going. Tommy Steele is still going. He's done Scrooge. He's done... He's done everything. Whether he could do half a sixpence again, I don't know, at the age of... He must be 70-something by now, Tommy Steele. At least. Whatever it is, people in show business uh, don't seem to age, unless they're called Nancy Delusional, in which case she's ageing very badly. She looks as though she's had something. He's 80. Is he really 80? Good Lord, honestly. That is just amazing, isn't it? Amazing. When you consider all the hits. And uh, he was Britain's answer to Elvis Presley. Actually, I was playing Elvis Presley in the car the other day. And I'd, I'd one of the windows down. I, I, I was be- behaving a little bit like a boy racer kind of thing, sort of with this blaring out on all the... I've got, do you know I've got 16 speakers in my car? How stupid is that? But anyway, and, uh, and so you can really crank up the volume, crank up the volume, crank up the volume. You know, and all that kind of stuff. So I'm playing... Yeah, I know. I'm playing Elvis Presley. People are looking at me like I'm mad. Because I think what it does, it vibrates the doors from the outside. So, of course, outside, you don't really hear it as properly as I do. So I open the windows, let everybody hear it. If I'd had a sunroof, I'd have opened that as well. Because it, it was a lovely day yesterday. It was quite little. In fact, even first thing in the morning, it was lovely. But this morning, it's, I don't think it's going to be as nice, is it? It's, uh, we might even have quite a bit colder today. You will notice that. But there'll still be people going out there. Katie, um, I said Katie Price then. Katie Hopkins came in yesterday as I was going out the building because I try and avoid her. And, um, and I was wearing my coat and she said, what have you got your coat on for? I said, um, well, because <laughs> I said, because I've been sitting in a freezing cold studio for the last couple of hours. It's 16 degrees. And she said, I must tell you, she said, I was in a taxi the other evening. She said, and the driver who works nights says the only thing that keeps him sane is listening to Steve Allen. And so she goes, oh, good. She likes that. She likes that kind of thing. Because we get all sorts of drivers who listen to this programme, mainly because if you're listening to music, you're going to go, nod off. But if you've got somebody talking and who can talk for the country, well, then it keeps you going a little bit longer, doesn't it? Funny programme on the television. I think it's called Hard Talk. Hard Talk, yeah. And they were doing an analysis programme with all the presenters, uh, which I found quite interesting as an interviewer myself. 
And as somebody who sort of has interviewed all sorts of people, from politicians to, to um, I don't know, trying to, politicians to where? I don't know, everybody in show business. Yeah, musicians, actors, magicians, everybody. You know, I just, I just like talking to people. And they were talking about disastrous interviews. Have you ever had anybody walk out? And one of them, he said, yes, he said, Max Clifford walked out of an interview. Max Clifford, who was a, uh, a PR, you won't, you won't remember him now because he's in prison for uh, misdemeanors. Actually, I'm led to believe that the women involved uh, who he uh, molested are going for compensation. Going for compensation. Uh, so that one will be in the papers coming up very shortly. But anyway, he actually walks out of, this, out of this interview. He sort of just stands up and says, I've had enough of this, and takes the microphone off. Uh, but we can still hear what's going on. He says, I know which, which direction you're taking this interview. And I thought, well, that's quite, that's quite perceptive, actually, because sometimes and I, I never think about things like that. When I'm doing an interview with somebody, I don't have a list of questions. I mean, some people do questions. Some people have crib notes. I tend to find that my memory, uh, albeit for that, for that 25, 30 minutes, tends to stick around so I can get stuff off the computer in the morning uh, read it and it just stays in my memory and I bring the papers into the studio with me I put them down but I never look at how can you look at something when you're talking to somebody because an interview is a conversation that's why ours is in conversation done long before that other bloke started doing it but anyway so um and so that's that's how it works so you just go with the flow when I first did interviews and anybody who's new to interviewing will actually tell you that you write questions down which is sort of, it's, it, you learn after a while. It took me about two years to learn that you don't write any questions down. You have a, <clears throat> an in-question, which is in your mind. You think, oh, I think I'll ask them about that. But it depends on how they are when they meet you. And then the second question goes on what they've been talking about. You'll hear me on In Conversation going, actually, just go, but you were talking there about so-and-so, so-and-so. And so tell me about that. And that's how it works. And before you know where you are, you haven't asked them, any of the questions you thought you were going to ask them because they've, they've sort of led the interview. But all it involves is listening to what they're saying, and that's what I didn't do in the, in the very... In fact, the very first interview I ever did uh, didn't even get transmitted. I decided we'd just bury it. I went to the Royal Opera House. They, they sort of decided to send me to the Royal Opera House. Oh, you're looking for an interview for your overnight programme, Steve. Here's uh, somebody at the Royal Opera House. Well, I didn't, I didn't know anything what you do with the interviews. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, the, I mean the, the, the interviews are a bit difficult. I don't get those anymore. I'll tell you for why, because if somebody's agreed to come... We did have one a short while ago who didn't want any photos taken. Um, and we're a bit surprised, because the last time this person came in, they were up for photographs. I didn't quite know why. But, you know, I'm, I'm willing to go along with people saying, as long as I get a good interview, that's all I care about. And if you listen to Timothy Spall and, uh, and Colm the other day, you'll know that it, with, with two people there, it's even easier because they bounce off each other. They, I mean, I, I could have had good interviews with either of the guys. But uh, together, they, they were fantastic. I love it when you've got things like that. Most people are easy for interviews. It never feels like hard work. I just... No, I don't think it... Oh, I don't think it, does it ever feel... No, it doesn't. I don't... I, I sometimes think as I'm going into an interview... Oh, God. I, and I've often said, oh, I hope this is... I want this to be OK. And then somebody will say to me afterwards, what they like? And I go, fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. I haven't had a bad one in donkey's years. Seriously. You know, we had a couple of sort of Americans who sort of become a bit sniffy, you know, because they don't know who I am. It doesn't, it doesn't really make any difference. I'm just another interview. All they're thinking is this is uh, too long, too long. I, don't, I did have one. Oh, they'll tell a lie. There was one interview in this building and this particular person came in and uh, they, they were being a little bit grand, shall we say. And um, 
And so uh, so we go to a... It wasn't a particularly nice studio. It was just a little studio where you're practically sitting on top of them. And uh, and I said... Uh, oh, no, they actually said to me, oh, how long's this interview? And I said, it's it's 25 minutes. Oh, I can't do 25 minutes. And I thought, but your, your PA must have told you it's 25 minutes. They don't just say you're doing a quick interview with Steve Allen. And so he said, no, I can't do 25 minutes. And so this obviously sort of irked him a little bit. And so I thought, well, I've got a guest in... I've got a programme slot to fill. I've got to keep going. So I thought, let's actually start, and we won't do a break halfway through. We'll just keep running. If necessary, I can insert a break later on, or the producer can. And, uh, and so we, we, we kept going. But at the end of sort of, uh, you know, I just kept dragging it out as, as long as possible. I had to. I've got, you can't just go shorter on a programme. You know, if anything now, I will go over. The producer always gives me a wind-up. When we get to 11 minutes, he'll he'll stick his finger in the air and sort of, do the circle thing and uh, and I then go for about another minute after that and then wind up if, if it goes on a bit longer that's why he does an extended podcast so there's two versions there's the shorter version and then there's the longer version on the podcast which means you get to hear the bits that didn't actually go out on air and it just means that we've sort of and then we had somebody swear I think I think actually one of them swore over this weekend but he had to take it out somebody <laughs> I can't remember what word it was, but whatever it was, I nearly fell apart. Because you're so unused to hearing somebody swearing. Oh, so sorry, I'm late for the news. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to uh, five. Dorman Dom's in hospital. He says, I'm diabetic now. Join the club. Actually, I'm surprised you weren't diabetic before, to be brutally honest with you. And, uh, and then somebody here says, you're picking on your producer again. I spent some of my childhood in Oz, and they're kindly folk who are cool in a special way. Please wish him a great time. No, he's a pain, honestly. Seriously, he's absolutely a pain. He deserves everything he, he gets on this programme. That's why he, That's why he's a glutton for punishment. He's a glutton for punishment. No, it's, basically, he can walk out on the streets. Nobody talks to him. I'm the only person who talks to him around here. Well, me and the other producer. And not that I'm a producer, but, you know, if I was going to be a producer, I'd have to talk to him. But no, 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 he loves it. You have to talk to him, don't you? you can't, there's nothing we can do about it. And he's grateful for the company, too. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, just to let uh, other motorists know, some of the roads around Southwark Cathedral are already closed for the funeral today. Southwark Street is closed. Looks like London Bridge will be very soon. So just be aware of that. The roads around Southwark Cathedral closed for the funeral for PC Keith Palmer. And he says, P.S. I'm in the new Mickey Flanagan programme. Don't know when that episode is going out, though. Oh, no. What are you doing in that? Goodness sake, honestly. Uh, Waj says... uh, um, great weather, Saturday and Sunday, been locked in. It was great, actually, wasn't it? PC Palmer has two police officers with him overnight in St Mary's Undercroft, uh, which is the private chapel. That's the one that the, she has to give um, permission for somebody to be there. You couldn't have refused him, could you? You couldn't have refused him at all. So uh, that's why. I'm glad that there's two people with him. I think they uh, didn't... Um, Boyzone do exactly the same when Stephen Gately died. Didn't they They stayed with him in the in the church overnight? That's what you would want to do, isn't it? There's a picture in the papers today of uh, Chuck Berry. Uh, open casket. Open casket for Chuck Berry, which they didn't do for Michael Jackson, which was a strange thing. Uh, happy birthday to your Australian producer. Uh, is he the one who had the, uh, the kidney stones? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, can we hear his voice? No, 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 you can't. I'm sorry, we're not allowed to. Not allowed to transmit voices like that. It upsets people too much. I mean, people start weeping into the radio because it reminds them of, you know, the bonds of time we had at home kind of thing and, and the, the barbecue where we nearly roasted next door's cat. You know, that kind of thing. So, no, we don't, actually. Uh, Norman, good morning. 
Uh, yes, plus he's also, he's in big trouble, actually. I shouldn't be telling you this. But do you know in Australia, if you don't vote, they fine you. They give you a fine. Well, I mean, if, if, if that was over here, it'd be brilliant. They, they'd never actually manage to, uh, to achieve it at all, would they? But uh, no, if, if, you're, uh, if you don't vote in the elections, they, um, they fine you. It's like 40 quid, and he didn't vote didn't vote. I mean, why he didn't vote? I don't think he was there, actually, was he? He wasn't there, so... Whether you can do it by post... Yeah, you could do it at the embassy. He couldn't be bothered to go, could he? I don't know. Michael says, Call the Midwife is set in the 1950s, and the arrival of a black nurse would have been a very big event with black immigration in the UK in its very early days. Yes, well, I mean, they might as well... But I just don't see where the papers make a big deal about it. It's like, you know, I remember... What was it? Oh, there was, oh who was it who was dropped from... Loose women. Is it Jim? I can't. I don't want to get it wrong. Actually, I have to go back into my uh, file and try and find it. And and I think, I think, think, think. He says that it it might have been Jim. It's Jamelia. Jamelia did three years on loose women, and uh, and then they didn't renew the contract. So that's not firing somebody. That's called not renewing the contract. Uh, She had a, a row with the bosses over comments that she made about plus-size women earlier this year. So, anyway, they decided not not to renew the contract for, for reasons, you know, best known to themselves. Perhaps they, perhaps they thought she was too controversial. I thought the whole idea about having a panel of women on was... It didn't matter what colour they are. I couldn't really give a stuff about people's colour. I'm not remotely interested in that. I'm just interested in what they talk about. And um, the conversation about plus-size women. She says, I don't think it's right to facilitate people living an unhealthy lifestyle. In the same way, I don't believe that a size zero should be available. It's not a healthy size for an average woman to be. And that was, and that was what, she, what she said. I thought, well, that seemed fair enough to me. That seemed fair enough. But anyway, they decided not, not to renew the, uh, the contract. So she's working on other things. But she's, uh, she's gone in the, in the press. And she says here that uh, TV bosses choose black stars to play silly stereotypes. And also the fact that there is no opportunity for sort of black women because you're put on there as a black woman. She wishes that people saw her talent as opposed to her colour. It's kind of a little bit difficult if you're black, isn't it? I mean, unless you're completely blind. I mean, it doesn't matter. If you're just listening to somebody, you wouldn't know what colour they were, would you? I've been fooled on the radio before. You know, where you listen to somebody and you think, oh, right. I mean, you know, you might sort of think to yourself they're doing a black music programme. They turn out to be white. That, that happens quite a lot in this business. So I don't think she was ever hired because she was black. I thought she was hired because they thought she was going to be good. And she turned out not to be brilliant. She turned out to be passable. Certainly not more entertaining than Katie Price. I mean, that woman's just a complete embarrassment to herself. To herself. And then the other thing that I got a wee bit angry about, as I was, as I was driving in this morning, and this is this thing that people on reality shows, they've got to do something... Baby. Want baby. As if it was something you went out and you picked on the supermarket shelf. Oh, let's have one of those. Let's take that one there. And uh, and this is the case of Gemma Collins. Gemma Collins was saying on uh, the television the other day she wants a baby uh, because she's 36 now. I know she sounds a little bit like a five-year-old. And uh, people apparently were popping into a shop and like going, Gem, do you want, like, you know, I can donate my sperm and all the rest of it. Uh, <laughs> It's a bit tacky down in Brentwood, as you can imagine, with people like that lowering the tone of it. But uh, now she's said that she wants to get pregnant in Marbella and then she called a baby like Marbella. And I'm thinking, I'm sorry, whatever happened to two people in a relationship, <laughs> very old-fashioned, I realise, in love, bringing a child into the world, not everybody else has got babies and it's like, I want baby too. And you think, 
I mean, is that the wrong reason for bringing a baby into it? You just want a baby, do you? You know, they had to actually put it to her on the television about adoption. You know, there's lots of children who need adopting. But you think to yourself, with her sort of lifestyle, she's not a healthy-looking person. She's uh, way overweight. She must be at least three or four stone overweight. A friend of mine is smaller than her, and she's been told to lose four stone. That's quite a lot. Gemma Collins goes, it's, like, really difficult. It is when you're eating takeaways all the time. Of course it is. But it's this, this sort of quest. We had Bobby Cole Norris doing it as well. Again, not in a relationship. Not ever likely to be. I don't think Gemma Collins is ever likely to be in a relationship. Most of hers come out of prison, don't they? And they just go, yeah, because I really like, love her. And she goes, ah. And you know it's going to end in disaster, which it does every single time. But it's this never-ending question. Now I want a baby. I want a baby now. And you think, it's not a possession. It's supposed to be some sort of love in wanting, you know, not just like, oh, it's a, it's a, I'll have, it's like a puppy for Christmas, isn't it? Do you want it for Christmas? Yeah. How about Boxing Day? Oh, I might have gone off it by then. You know, it was like uh, Jerry Halliwell used to have this dog she used to carry around everywhere. And then, you know, she took it to the Ivy once. I remember thinking, I wouldn't want to eat in a place that allowed dogs in. Thank you very much. Indeed. I find it bad enough when they go into Starbucks. But, uh, but for Gemma Collins, it's being treated a little bit too lightly. I thought it was supposed to be something quite serious, you know, having a child. But she just got to find somebody because I want baby. And you think, what? So you fit him in. She said, I feel left out. Everybody else has got a baby. Yeah, they've probably all got bigger cars than you as well. It's dreadful, really. Dreadful. I, I just get so sort of so sort of angry about these sort of things. It's only because I sort of think to myself, I'm sure they're doing it the wrong way round. I mean, she's 36. She's never had a successful relationship. She might kid you that, that she has, but uh, I promise you, they're all disastrous because she just can't sit in all the time. If she sits in all the time, she stuffs her face. And that's why there's a picture of her going off to do filming, which is in some of the papers today. I mean, this does not make her look healthy. She's way, way too fat, way too fat. You know, and she could actually lose the weight, but she's got no willpower. She spends most of her time... And also, she must be the only woman that I've ever seen on the television who, who's got mascara that deliberately runs when her face contorts. And she goes, oh, again. And we have these tears and this fake fakery that comes with Gemma Collins. I mean, really an embarrassment all round. So, you know, why can't you just buy waterproof mascara and then it doesn't run? But no, it has to. So you get this sort of river of black running over her enormous face and you think to yourself, you know, surely you must have discovered waterproof mascara. It's been around for donkey's years. Otherwise, every time it rains, you're going to look ridiculous. Look like a panda, you know, with those sort of panda eyes. I'm fascinated by QVC at the moment. I'm fascinated by... How much money you ladies spend on things which I look at it and go, God, that looks a bit rubbish. You know, this and this exfoliates the skin here, and this does this and this and this. And believe you me, I've done enough health and beauty programmes over the years to know what people like. You know, it's colours, it's palettes. I mean, you girls must spend a fortune on stuff. And then you see people going out there, don't you? And you know they're from the wrong end of the spectrum because their makeup is too thick. Nobody's told them how to apply their makeup. You've got to put it on properly and blend it in with sponges. And I mean, it's quite an expensive and uh, tedious programme uh, of sort of putting your face together in the morning. I mean, some people, as you know, sit on the train and they're the ones I don't like at all. People who sit on the train doing that, you might as well sit there and bring a potty out and sit on the potty and we'll all have to put up with that. Dreadful, dreadful, dreadful. Uh, plus, we've got a cream for you this morning. The, uh, the solution, they say, is it wrinkly neck? I mean, who worries about wrinkly neck apart from the housewives of Orange County? I mean, Vicky and Tamara really could be uh, bathing in this stuff here. And um, how much do your Easter eggs really cost you? How much would you spend on an Easter egg? And the answer is, I would think 20 quid. Would, oh, would that be too much? Oh, that'd be too... Oh, right, OK. Oh. 
I was thinking about a, cl- a classy Easter egg. Fiver. A fiver? You cheapskate. I'd spend more than a fiver on an Easter egg. Easter eggs are quite, you know, if you're looking for something classy, I'd be looking for something really, really nice. And cl- a fiver? You don't get much for a fiver now. You're, you're obviously going to Aldi, aren't you? Sort of three for a tenner kind of situation. So what? A little creme. Yeah, I mean, I can understand that. That's OK. But they're only cheap, aren't they? The little, the little cream eggs. I've got some cream eggs with me today. Little, little cabbage cream eggs. Oh, a big egg that comes with a... Yeah. I don't... I see a fiver. But if you were buying an egg for your mum or something like that, which you probably wouldn't, but then you... But, but you might... Six pounds. Oh, there we go. We've upped the price for the Easter egg. Well, there's some lovely ones in, in the paper today which go up to about a thousand pounds. For an Easter, but they're beautifully made, and also you're paying for the quality of the chocolate. If you're only paying a fiver for an egg, the quality of the chocolate must be really dire. You know, I'm looking for. I bought something the other day, and I'd not been in there for ages, and I gave some to the producer. Uh, I went to Hotel Chocolat, and they had little bars of of chocolate. There you go, one one pound fifty for a cream egg. Is that in Morrison's or something? Yeah, cream egg. You get a big egg and a little egg. It's very expensive. Look at all that packaging. That's dreadful. Dreadful. I should get rid of the packaging immediately. That's only £1.50. Yeah. But kids want cream eggs, don't they? They, well, they? they want eggs for Easter. I don't know why. I can't work out what it's to do with. Because, uh, obviously, it's something that Cadbury sort of muscled in on. But that's what kids like. We used to look forward to Easter. We'd end up, me and my brother, with about three eggs each. Which was quite enough, because then you'd open them all up, wouldn't you? You'd take all the wrapping off and, and knock the egg, and so you'd get a little plastic bag inside with the, with the little treats in there, little chocolates or something like that. I quite like that idea, but I, have, I, don't, I don't really do chocolate Easter eggs. Not at pound fifty. I don't, anyway. I go for something a little bit classier. But anyway, I bought these chocolates in Hotel Chocolat, and it comes as in little individual chocolates. One, two, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's about eight in a thing, and these were ones with... The, the the dip on the top was sour cherry in one of them. One of them was uh, Black Forest Gatto. And, and I gave some. And it, they were delicious. They were absolutely delicious chocolates. They really were. They were about £3 a bar or something like that. But I thought, you know, Hotel Chocolat sounds like a bit more upmarket than buying somebody a £1.50 egg. You know, it's very nice if that's all you can afford. But then, of course, you don't actually... Once the kids have got it in their head that it's Easter and they have to have Easter eggs then you're kind of doomed, aren't you, really? Because you've got to have them. I remember leaving them in the car one year and they melted. And there was very sad-looking eggs in the back of the car. Not anymore, ladies and gentlemen. Not anymore. Quick time check for you. Oh, late. Sorry, Ollie, you're going to miss that bus again. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning, come on. I know you don't want to do it. I don't want to get up. I know you don't want to get up. Nobody wants to get up on a Monday morning. The alarm goes off and you sit there going, I really don't want to go to work. And so you can do the usual trick of phoning up, and then you think, well, there's no, not going to be anybody there at this time of the morning. So do I leave a message going and trying to sound as ill as possible? And then, of course, for the remainder of the day, you're frightened to pick up the phone. You might as well get up, have a shower. You'll feel a lot, be- lot better. We did a survey in the office earlier on. It's amazing. My friend Toby doesn't do showers. He only does baths, and he rests his laptop on the toilet so he can watch his laptop. And I only do showers. The producer only does showers. Um... I can't be bothered to wait for a bath to fill up, to be honest with you. I'm really not interested. It's funny, isn't it, really? Somebody, um, years ago, I would have a bath. I would enjoy a bath. Now, can't be bothered. A shower is... My- and also, why would you want to sort of wash yourself in a bath and then sit in all the dirt? 
You might as well have a shower. It uses less water, it's more economical, and at the end of the day, you've got a clean bath and, and clean you, which is good. Hannah says, my friend kindly invited me to a comedy show at the Hammersmith Apollo. I'd never heard of Mickey Flanagan, but was looking forward to a good night and a giggle. Mr Flanagan, <laughs> she says, rocked up 45 minutes late for the set and was so unfunny we left at the interval. The warm-up act was far superior. People, do- I mean, I don't know what, when that was, actually, but uh, I've never heard of people rocking up late for a gig. I've never, I've never done late for a gig, unless you're waiting for people to, to turn up. Uh, Mark says, poor Gemma, on the surface, she's got everything. Looks, fame, money, intelligence and charm. But desperate to have a baby made me laugh. Oh, really? So, des- so she's got looks? No. Fame? Not really. Uh, money? Pff, probably not as much as you think. Intelligence? Definitely not. Charm? Absolutely not. So, which ones do you think she's got out of that lot? The answer is she hasn't got any of it. They use running mascara to emphasise the crying and make it look a bit melodramatic, Steve. Oh, that's why it is, is it? Oh, right. John's in Bayswater. Somebody's got to be. It's the Australian enclave, isn't it? It used to be Earl's Court. Um, because the uh, the Australians liked hanging around with all, all the gays who were going to all the, the gay pubs in Earl's Court, which I don't even think exists anymore. Uh, and now they've moved it, as John has discovered, to Bayswater. And that's where he is with Skip. Australia beckons, he says, as it does for so many expats, doesn't it, really? People people leave the country and then they come over here and then they bump into a load of other people who are also fairly Neanderthal. A lot of them wearing sandals and flip-flops and stuff like that. I don't know why, actually. It's obviously a thing that sort of Australians wear. It's, it's the outdoor life, isn't it? It's supposed to be uh, terribly rugged. And uh, Mike's sort of fairly rugged in a sort of... Slightly limp way, you know. He isn't. He isn't as rugged as some of the other Australians that I've met over the years. He's gone grey very. If he's really only twenty-five, and we don't like to say that, we like to wind him up further. Uh, if he's really only twenty-five, he's so old for twenty-five. I mean, seriously, he could be fifty. He could be fifty. Seriously, I mean, I know that people have welcomed him into old people's clubs and things like that, and uh, because he looks like he fits there, you know, the baseball cap admittedly doesn't go down too well, but at least he makes the effort. He seems fairly sort of a fairly sort of happy little soul. He doesn't he doesn't seem to want too much, you know, on his. Well, he doesn't get it. Uh, but he's uh, he just he, he's not very demanding. Is what I'm trying to say. Uh, I'm on the program, says Kevin the Milkman. He's on the Mickey Flanagan program about the changing East End. As I've been delivering round there for <coughs> years, and I've seen the changes. Turned out I was his mum's milkman when he was living at home in the early eighties. No, really, that's cool. That's cool, Kev. I like that idea. Yeah, the East End has changed, hasn't it? When I think back, um, when we came back, we came back from Hong Kong, uh, 19... Well, it was a long time ago, anyway. And uh, we flew into Stansted. Now, in those days, Stansted Airport was uh, was nothing. It was about three Nissan huts, and that was it. There was no... It's not the super-duper terminal you see now. Uh, and we flew in there in the early hours of the morning. Uh, we toddled off... We went to our house in Brentwood, which had been rented out to some doctors. They'd not moved out. So my father, being non-confrontational, we decided to go and uh, turn up. Because we didn't have telephones either. We didn't have a telephone. My, my grandmother, who we went to stay with in Ilford, didn't have a telephone. We pitched up there in the early hours of the morning. And all we wanted to do, we'd been flying. We were tired, fed up. Couldn't get into the house, and the removal van with all our furniture was turning up the following day. So we pootled back from from uh, Ilford over to Brentwood, uh, and eventually got got the house back the following day. And then all our stuff moved in, and that was that. But it all came in proper packing cases. Nowadays, it doesn't. These were old tea chests. I mean, really old tea chests 
which had a lid, and you could see bits of tea in the bottom of them and everything else. And I remember them vividly, absolutely vividly. But my, my grandmother sort of uh, let us stay there, which was lovely. She didn't really have as, as much room as, as we had in our house. But uh, all I remember is, I said, can I have some water? And she didn't have a fridge. People didn't have fridges in those days. <laughs> it seems ridiculous. It seems like the dark ages, doesn't it, really? And then um, I wanted some water, in my, because we were used to, in Hong Kong, boiling the water. So you turn on the tap, you fill up the thing, you boil the water up, and then when it cools down, then you pour it into bottles, and so you've got bottled water. But uh, my, my grandmother said, you just, she gave me a cup, she said, the tap's there in the kitchen. Well, I'd never drunk out of a tap. In fact, having had two years in Hong Kong where we didn't drink out of the, the tap at all, this was a bit of a revelation. Now, of course, I've gone back the other way. Now I don't drink out of the tap at all. I only drink bottled water. As I said the other day, look at this. You know, I'm now sitting here with a bottle of water in my hand, and you go, who would ever thought that you'd see the day when you would go out and buy water in a shop, in a department, you know, in, in a sort of a supermarket or, you know, anyway, you get water really cheaply. You know, you could pay a lot of money for water. I bought a bottle of water. Actually, I must tell you this, because I always take water out with me to the theatre. You know why? It's so expensive in the theatre. This this bottle of water here, I get 24 bottles of this particular water that I'm holding in my hand, which I won't tell you what it is, and that's about £4 for 24 bottles, which I think is very good. How much did I pay for a bottle of water in the Dominion Theatre the other day? £2.60. For a bottle of water. It wasn't even a big bottle of water. And, uh, of course, because you're at the theatre, you're just, like, handing money over, don't you? So £2.60 for a bottle of water. It probably costs them about 30p. I understand how things like that work. I really do. But uh, interesting, isn't it? I bet even Kevin can tell you how much uh, a pint has changed. Oh, what have I done here? Uh, how much a pint has actually changed over the years, you know, from what a pint... I couldn't tell you what a pint of milk costs now. I really don't know. I really don't know what, what a pint of milk costs. It could be a pound, it could be more. I, I really don't know. I try not to worry about that. Uh, so, the story of the paper today about poor old Damien Hurst. Uh, I think his latest exhibition's great. <laughs> it must be. And it's very rare that I sort of go out on a limb and say, you know, I like something, because there's no point in talking about art when you don't understand anything about it. And I don't understand anything about uh, art. I really don't. I, I just look at something. If I like it, I like it. If I don't like it, I don't like it. But in his particular case, I quite like his stuff. I wasn't enamoured with the, the cow in formaldehyde and stuff like that. I didn't think that was particularly interesting. But there, I don't, I don't know anything about that. But I, I like his latest one, the shipwreck thing, with these uh, sort of things that look as though they've come out of the ocean. Pardon me, the ocean. I like those. I thought that was quite good, actually. Uh, also, the papers today. What else are we going to be looking at? Mel B's payoff to sex monster. Hubby gets his own island in divorce deal. He wants ten million. She's offered five million as well as a private island. So they say. Whether this is made up, I don't know. We have to take everything with a pinch of salt because we've not even appeared in court or gone anywhere at all. Um, so five million. He's holding out for more. They've been married for ten years. Definitely holding out for more. Um, here we go. Katie Price wants to front an X-rated version of uh, of Loose Women to show off her filthy sense of humour. I'm sorry, dear. You're, you're passé. You're past it. Nobody's interested. You know, they say she reckons fans would flock to hear her saucy tales. No. No, nobody's interested. It's just only you, saddo. Nobody's interested in your saucy tales. I don't think so, dear. And she says... Uh, 
uh, chatting about the controversial plan. She says, I really wish the show could be on in the evening. I have to keep it clean for daytime viewers. I've told bosses I could showcase my filthy humour. We'll have to see what happens. Please, God, they don't even waste their time with it. It's got the word kiss of death. Listen, your reality show is cancelled due to lack of interest. You haven't got any fans anymore, apart from a few sad people who queue up to buy the books which you never wrote. And um, and then, last month, Andrea McLean talked about celebrity breakups. She says, as more celebs go for a semi-split, we're going to be asking if semis are a waste of time. It's obviously, you know, all designed to sort of be a little bit edgy and naughty. Uh, Kim Woodburn swore live on television, causing the host to apologise. You have to apologise on television. Somebody says a rude word on telly. Immediately you have to go, I'm terribly sorry about that. Terribly sorry about that. And you think, go on, get a life. Get a life. Coming up, news at five o'clock. I'm Steve Allen. This is early breakfast on LBC. Sorry, the rustling of papers. Russia ups the ante on Syria. The Olivier Awards. And uh, Harry Potter does very, very well. Very, very well indeed. Summer arrives, but only for a day. Uh, Channel 4 actor stop the Moffat repeat. This is Scarlet Moffat. I don't see that career going much further, actually, than uh, Anton Deck. I really don't. It's very nice, but, you know, not going to go anywhere, I don't think. And they don't want anybody else leaving the programme. Although I did watch the little people doing it. The little kids doing the... the I thought they were much better than the adults. The adults just... Goggle sprogs. They're much better than the adults. The adults are a little bit, you know, pretend acting. Um, and the end for the morning pint at the airport. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's Monday, the 10th of April. The funeral will take place later for PC Keith Palmer. As you've heard, Cressida Dick, it'll be her first official engagement. And uh, she's taken a salary cut as well. So it all bodes well for the future. Uh, the area around Southwark Cathedral, uh, they've started closing all the, the roads off at the moment. And uh, they, his, his body is currently uh, residing at the Palace of Westminster. So I don't know what time the funeral is this morning. Uh, I'll find out for you. But uh, you have to avoid the area because they're, they're closing and they'll be diverting buses and all sorts of things around there because I think it's going to be a, a huge turnout, certainly in, uh, in terms of police numbers. I think that they will, uh, they'll all be there for that one. Uh, other stories running in the papers today. Uh, Russia upping the ante on Syria. Two o'clock this afternoon, the funeral for, uh, for Keith is. Two o'clock this afternoon. But the road closures will be in for most of the day. So avoid the area if you possibly can, or just take heed of all the, uh, the signs diverting. Uh, the Olivier Awards. So wait a minute, let me just tell you. I'll just, let me do this now, actually, while I think about it. Because the route that the cortege will will take, uh, it will start at the Palace of Westminster and it will travel down Millbank. Okay, so they're coming out, they're going left, they're going over Lambeth Bridge. Then they head east onto Lambeth Palace Road towards Stamford Street. Then it will then travel down Borough High Street and onto Cathedral Place. The procession will then stop outside the entrance to the Cathedral Garden. Okay. So that's where the route will go, and I should imagine... I don't know how long it will take to actually do this, but they've probably timed it all up, I should imagine. So that, that area around Southwark Cathedral, many of the roads around there, will be closed. So just be aware, if you're in that area, that, um, that there are going to be uh, problems. Oh, this, uh, this is where you can see uh, the funeral cortege for Keith. Southwark Street, Blackfriars Road... Uh, Hopton Street, Sumner Street, uh, Sumner Street, brackets, uh, Great Guildford Street, uh, also Zoa Street, uh, New Globe Walk, Bear Gardens, Rose Alley, 
Thrale Street, Red Cross Way, Blackfriars Road, Great Suffolk Street, Lavington Street, Union Street. Uh, in fact, actually, even uh, the Marshall Sea Road. That's what, there was a prison, wasn't there? The Marshall Sea Prison. I'm pretty certain, actually, in the back of my mind. They're very old names, aren't they? Snowfields, Tower Bridge Road, Long Lane, Bricklayer's Arms Roundabout, Tower Bridge Street, Lower Thames Street, good Lord, Mincing Lane, uh, Fenchurch Street, Leadenhall Street, Chamomile Street, Commercial Street, Cannon Street, Cornhill, Queen Victoria Street, Gracechurch Street and Wormwood Street. Is that near the Scrubs? Would that be the same, same sort of area? I'm not, too, I'm not too familiar with that side of London at all. I'm sort of uh, I'm well out. Cab drivers listening going, you've got no idea, Steve, have you? Not a clue. And the answer is you're absolutely right. But as it takes place at two o'clock this afternoon, those road closures are in. I think people will be lining the, uh, the route. I'm pretty certain for him. Scrubs are not near there. OK. It just, it just sounds like it should be, doesn't it, really? Uh, Simon <coughs> says, I've been lucky in the cab tonight, so I gave a free ride to a guy running for his bus. Apparently his God is going to make my life good. Well, there you go. There you go. <laughs> that's, that's, it's obviously, it's, you know, it's, it's good. It's good for you. Uh, Try a bath, says Tony. After a soak, you'll find how nimble you feel. Don't be ridiculous. I've felt nimble for years. It supplies the area around the back and so invigorating. No, I'm much happier. I'm much happier under a shower. Seriously. I always have been for for many, many years now. Uh, Check that the... uh, (coughs) Excuse me. The pH level on the bottled water is above five. Otherwise it can damage tooth enamel. Above five. I can't even read things on bottles. Um... Oh, I don't know. It doesn't say anything at all. As I say, it just says inspired by clouds. I mean, I don't know what that is. pH. I can't even find pH on it. It doesn't say that anyway. It just says it's a plastic bottle. Got a telephone number you can call if you don't know what a plastic bottle looks like. Uh, <clears throat> Richard in Woking, not enamoured with Scarlet Moffat. No, I mean, listen. Nice, personable, you know, different person to the one who appeared on Gogglebox. She had to lose a lot of weight. And uh, and just, you know, another jolly northerner. And that's, you know, that's it. I don't really know anything else. I don't think she's got any particular talent. I don't, uh, you know... When they were talking the other day about the... She's in an advert, I've seen that. Yeah, with Kevin Bacon. Do you think she was actually in it with him or they filmed her separately? They are in together. All right. But, I mean, that's what you expect her agent to do. Get her stuff while she's sort of current property. Or how many people change suppliers based on an advert on the television. I don't know. Do people sort of... The moment Terry Wogan started advertising things, do you think people move over there and go, well, if Terry's advertising it, I shall, um, I shall try it? And the answer is probably yes. Probably yes. Um, Angela says, still hungover. The hottest day of the year. Help. Drank so much Prosecco, red wine and more in Putney at lunch than Wimbledon Village. What do they tell you before? Don't ever drink alcohol on a hot day. It's not, you know, it, it, the hot day and alcohol do not, do not go well together. I know people think they do, but I promise you, they don't. Steve, I wish Katie Price would have some morals. She's got three kids and she's a grown-up woman. Um, is it? I thought they've got four, haven't they? They've got four children. They've got the two, Princess Tiami and, and the other one. And then she's got two with... Um, with the latest uh, handbag. That's it. So she's got four, I think. It's obviously some sort of competition. Peter Andre tweets delightful picture of children having just come back from holiday. They, 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 these people live their lives 
you know, in front of the camera. Five children. Good Lord, five children. Since we've been speaking, she's had another one. It's unbelievable. Probably by the end of the programme, another 12, I should imagine. <laughs> uh, why would you want to go on television talking about sex, says Mike? She needs to finally settle down. Well, she can't. She can't because she doesn't trust him. She doesn't trust him at all because he's cheated twice, which I thought was hilarious. Because none of her, her exes are interested in her at all. It's not like she's remained in, in good contact with them. She hasn't. She hates them all. She hates them all. And, uh, and that's why her life is so miserable. So the time she drags herself up on television, I had to sit there. I mean, she is. Well, if you ever meet her, her eyes are completely soulless. You could look through, you know, other people, mine, limpet pools. Hers, an empty chasm. Nothing going on at all behind the eyes. It's just soulless, completely soulless. I think she's very sad. I think she's really lonely. Very lonely, because I don't know who her friends are. People who want to sit there and listen to her droning on, I suppose. Geraldine says, our tap water comes from Loch Lomond, and it's cold and delicious. Well, that sounds quite nice. That sound? You make it sound quite romantic for a Monday morning. Loch Lomond on the bonnie, bonnie banks of Loch Lomond. Somebody else says, you will feel very nimble after a... Bu-. No, I don't. I feel much more nimble after a shower. A shower is the, is the way forward. As I say, I don't want to sit in, you know, dirt. Mind you, my friend Toby says he has two baths a day. Who's got the time for two baths a day? I mean, I've got to start planting up things, you know, for the the patio today. So I should get round to doing that. And then I shall probably have a shower after that. But uh, two baths a day. Not very interesting at all, is it? Um, Also, in the papers today, Bradley gets a huge roar. People do love this little boy, you know. This is uh, brave Bradley Lowry. Uh, he completed a sporting weekend when he walked out onto the Sunderland pitch to massive cheers with his mate, Jermaine Defoe. Uh, he had to put his hands over his ears. They were shouting and screaming so loudly for him. He's, uh, he's a little sweetie. But he's, he was awarded at the National, you know, uh, 41st place on the race card in red and white silks. But, uh, you know, he's... Um, He's terminally ill. His, uh, his family put up on Facebook that they would enjoy our superhero every second of the day. And uh, I think that's lovely. I think that's really sweet, actually. I t- uh, by the way, if you missed my programme yesterday, <clears throat> uh, I didn't win on the National. First year that I didn't win on the National, all I got was a fourth. And I don't know if you get anything for a fourth. You might have to be... Uh, might have to educate me on whether I've got five pounds each way. I can't remember what the, uh, what the odds were, actually. Oh, actually, I can find out. I've just realised. I think I've got the odds. No, I didn't write the odds down. What am I talking about? But uh, five pounds each way on Black Lion, I think. And um, and I don't know if you get anything for a fourth. The, the producer thinks you do. Originally, he didn't think I did. But he now thinks I do. A fourth you get. So you get first, second, third and fourth. I won't get very much, though, will I? It's only a five pound each way bet. So that's not going to be very much. So there we are. So... Uh, the win part of your bet is on your selection to win the event, and the place part is on your selection to finish either first or in one of the number of places, i.e. second, third, fourth. Oh, right. Oh, I might get some money back. I'll get a little bit, man. I might get 20 quid, do you think? Or No, probably not. Anyway, put it this way. It's, it's better than nothing, isn't it? Better than poking the eye with a dead kipper, I should imagine. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, yeah, I'm going to go into the, the betting office shop today and... Um, and sort of say, do I get anything for a foot? Act dumb. I always think that, that, that plays very well. People feel sympathetic towards me when I go into betting shops. And I, go, and I don't go in betting shops. Only once a year for this. It's the only time I go in there. And uh, there's people who obviously spend all their lives in betting shops. They sit there, you know, watching the television. You can hear them go, oh. 
and then they rip the piece of paper up that they've got, and you think, it's obviously quite addictive. I mean, obviously, I'm not addicted to it. I just sort of have a little a little go on it, and that's about it. Other stories in the papers. Uh, Charles and the boys are out. This is obviously the way of the royal family spinning because the Queen doesn't go out and do as many things as she does. So now you've got uh, Harry and, and William going out to do as many things as they possibly can. Uh, Mel B. Offering husband Stephen Belafonte five million quid in a private island to settle their divorce battle. He's not going to put up with that, dear. You know why? He wants his time in court. He's obviously got stories about her. And the nanny has got stories about her, I believe. Even though the nanny's been gagged, I think that they can... They can overrule that. I don't think you can have a gagging order anymore. Somebody will do something. Uh, Faddy, George Michael's ex-boyfriend, uh, is going to write a book about their life, which I think will be uh, will be interesting. Although, you know, do we really need to know that side of George's life? No, we just need to know about the music and how generous he was. That's all we need to... I don't think we need to know anything else. But, of course, a paper will serialise it, a paper will, you know, put it in there, they'll sensationalise the story before you know where you are. You'll have loads of stuff about George Michael that you equally didn't want to know about. Madeleine McCann is living in plain sight with her captor. So says somebody called Dave Edgar, who's a private detective. Of course, like, he knows everything and nobody else knows anything at all. Uh, He claims that the youngster, who would now be 13, may not even realise she's missing. Yeah, right. I don't think we need to pay any more attention to him, do we, really? (laughs) Honestly, sometimes these sort of people crawl out of the woodwork and you think to yourself, I don't know. Oh, Gary Barlow, he sent fans into a spin by confirming his plans for Take That, the movie. Oh, dear. While fronting a night with Take That on ITV, he said it would be a great idea to have a movie. Let's get on it. When you think about it, Gary Barlow was the dreary one in Take That. And now he's sort of the leading light. They all have to sort of, you know, get... He was very boring on The X Factor. But he does know what he's talking about, though, doesn't he? Because he's got track record. So he he does know. But, I mean, most of the people on The X Factor... I didn't see Britain's Got Talent. I'm really so bored with Britain's Got Talent. Because it turns out uh, it should be called East European Circuses Have Got Talent. You know, it's because that's where they mainly come from. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 5.20 Monday morning. It's the 10th of April. Uh, Chloe Maidley, I know we've not mentioned her for ages, thank goodness, but uh, she's uh, she's been getting trolled. Well, you know, millions of people get trolled every day, but uh, this, they say, has taken it to a different level. So her family have called in a private detective. I don't know really why they've not gone to the police like normal people, but there you go. You know, because you have to pay a private detective. Police, they have special departments that can find these people within seconds. It's as simple as that. And then they decide whether to prosecute. So I don't know what's the point of that. But, uh, unless it's just another story because she's been trolled before. Uh, weight and baths. Steve, I hate showers. But since putting on quite a bit of weight and twice slipping in the bath, attempting to heave myself in and out, I've got no choice. Well, you see, I mean, I also... and it's, it's a big fear, actually. Falling out of the bath or into the bath. You know, it's an easy thing to do. So you've got to be very careful when you go in there. One, one thing you could do, I suppose, is get a, a rubber mat to put in the, in the bottom of the bath. But uh, uh, apart from that, I can offer you no crumb of comfort at all, apart from you've just got to be careful, especially if you put on a lot of weight or if you're, uh, if you're an elderly person just going in and out of the bath. It's ridiculous. Apparently, says Richard, they do pay out for fourth and fifth and even sixth each way with some bookmakers. Oh, good, I might get some money. We'll get a lot of money. Well, like five pound each way is not going to be uh, much. Um, Mark <clears throat> says a quick web search for Katie Price produced this from OK. Can you translate? I'm not a clue what it means. Katie Price shares adorable photos of herself sleeping with daughter Bunny. 
Oh, yes, she does. She does. But what they do is they also... And the, the, have you noticed, the children are always adorable. If they're children of celebrities, they're always adorable. And yet, you know, in many cases, they're just not. I'm sorry. You know, where do unattractive people come from? Unattractive babies. It's as simple as that. You know, people go, oh, aren't they good? It's like all brides are gorgeous. No, they're not. No, they're seriously not. I don't want to ruin it for you. But there's a serious lot of people out there who really aren't gorgeous at all. You know who you are. I don't need to name you. don't need to point you out in a crowd. But if I see you sitting on the train, I will be going, <coughs> it's you. OK, like that. Yeah, that's the way it works. But uh, no, they all share adorable pictures. That's, that's speak for Cher's picture of adorable daughter, which is like, can't live without the insatiable appetite of the media, which just wants loads of pictures. I mean, I, I sort of walked past a newsagent the other day and there's boring old Peter Andre on the front cover again. I mean, how many more pictures are we going to have of boring old Peter Andre? Seriously. I mean, it's getting a bit desperate now, isn't it, Pete? Find yourself a job. You know, perhaps try Sainsbury's, Tesco's, anything like that. But give up this this pointless, you know, let's, let's you know, use the children in every photo shoot. First of all, we had Katie Price saying she wasn't going to do it. And now, of course, she's, as you know, she tells lies. And she can't remember what she said half the time. So you've got the kids being exhibited all over magazines. And, under, oh, it's just tweeting pics of adorable baby, this adorable. As if their lives were perfect. But, of course, we all know they're not. We all know that deep down inside, Katie Price is suffering because she hates every one of her ex-husbands. And that's why they're ex-husbands, because she's just unbearable. I mean, why poor old Kieran Haler stuck it? I've got no idea. Perhaps she's got something on him. Perhaps she's determined, because, I mean, it will undoubtedly fizzle out, because he's getting fatter by the day. I mean, it's a bit like sort of Gemma Collins, but in a, in a different kind of body. Uh, so that's what it means. Uh, they do share pictures, and th- they seem to think that their fan is interested no, fan turned to stalker. You know, people who write things about, you know, the children. I think after she po- posted picture of Princess Tiami, um in a little bikini doing pouty-pouty, people were saying, bit inappropriate. But there again, that's her life, isn't it? You can do whatever you want. You can't tell somebody how to bring up their own child. But in her particular case, that's all she knows about. She doesn't know anything else at all. She only knows about having pictures taken. It just, it, it works for loads of people. I promise you, I know people in the business and it becomes addictive, Apparently, uh, Black Climb was 8 to 1, Steve. Uh, I think the return, says Chris, £5 each way, would be £15, giving you a profit of 5 Well, that's better than nothing, isn't it? That's good. That's a profit, as far as I'm concerned. That's a profit. That's a meal somewhere. don't know where. And uh, thank you for the warning on the road diversion. It's an Easter egg. It's an Easter egg. Not... <laughs> I, don't, I really don't buy Easter eggs. I don't know. Why, I don't know why I seem to fall into this sort of trap of Easter eggs now. Because I'm not. I'm not an Easter egg person. Only as a child was it. But I tell you, the best egg I ever got, and I don't even think they make them now. It was a sugar egg. It looks like a chicken's egg, but it's made of solid sugar. And that was because you know when you used to go out to a transport cafe. Well, you know we did. We did. We'd sort of pull up in the Bentley, and uh, go. My mother used to sit in the car. She hated it. Hated it. All these truck drivers sitting there. Well, the Bentley parked in the middle of a, of a truck driver's stop. Because my father reckoned you got better food in the truck driver's stops. And he wasn't wrong, actually. <laughs> got the best food ever. It was a proper fry-up and things like He'd come back to the car with a big bacon butty. You could see my mother visibly turning her nose up at it. Get us out of this car park as quick as possible. And, um, and you used to have sugar. But the sugar used to be loose on the table. It was in sugar cubes. How many times as a kid did you go out and you picked up a sugar cube and popped it in your mouth? We just used to put sugar... Now we're being told, don't eat sugar. You know, funny, isn't it? One time it was everywhere. And, um, and then these sugar eggs which you got, it was a solid egg. I mean, it would last for weeks. You know, you'd sort of... It was just sugar. 
But I'm not even sure if you can still buy these things now. You probably can't, because they're probably banned, because they're really, really bad for you. Uh, Russians up the ante on Syria. Army chiefs say we will hit back if Trump crosses the red line again. Uh, the Russian embassy in London's ominous warning of real war. I don't even think you should go there, really. I'd, I think that Russia could, could be wiped out completely by what the American firepower would be. So we don't want to go there, do we? Although, how many times have you heard people say, oh, I think there's going to be another war in our lifetime? You know, and I'm always thinking, I do hope not. I do hope not. It, it just comes down to people who, who nobody wants to capitulate. Nobody wants to go back. You know, nobody wants to be seen as the loser. You know, nobody wants, you know, Putin is quite... Then okay, please don't take take your shirt off again. Okay, makes you look a bit gay, and uh, and there might be, and uh, and then it could be a total disaster. But we don't want it to get to that stage. Somebody was saying to Magic the other day, why can't we just get people round the table to have a talk about something and sort it all out? Why can't we do that? Although I seem to remember what were those famous uh, words from from Churchill, from so and so, so and so. We are now at war with Germany. And that struck horror into everybody. We don't want that situation again, do we? Especially as it's really got nothing to do with us. That's why we don't want to be dragged into it. But when you've got sort of megalomaniacs, you know, like Putin and Assad and, uh, and Trump, they, they, these people are not used to somebody saying no. And so, consequently, it, uh, it goes very badly. The winners of the uh, Laurence Olivier Awards, uh, the best actor, Jamie Parker in Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. Best actress for... Yerma is Billy Piper, Best Supporting Actor, Anthony Boyle in Harry Potter, Best Supporting Actress, Norma Damaswenny, I think it's how you pronounce it, I'm really sorry if I didn't do that uh, properly, also for Harry Potter, Andy Carl, Best Actor in a Musical for Groundhog Day, Best Actress in a Musical, Amber Riley in Dreamgirls, Best Supporting Actor in a Musical, Adam J. Bernard in Dreamgirls, Best Supporting Actress in Musical, Rebecca Trehearn in Showboat, Best Director, John Tiffany for Harry Potter. Best New Comedy, Our Ladies of Perpetual Sucker. Best New Play, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child. So you kind of get the, uh, the drift there. Harry Potter did well. Still doing well. Still packing them in. in that th- I've got to go and see it because I'm told the special effects are nothing short of miraculous. Uh, also barely there and being the usual sort of ancient old exhibit. Not even in the theatre, of course. Nancy Delusional. I don't know what she turns up for. What's the point, darling? It really is. You're just an embarrassment now. They're going to be going, oh, God, she's here again. It's, um, it's Nancy Delusional. Uh, then there's a picture of Louise Redknapp. I don't know why, as I say, at 42, still strictly in shape five months on. Like, you know, so? What's, what, what's of interest in that picture? It's not really. It's just a little bit embarrassing for Louise Redknapp. I mean, 42, I mean, seriously. If she was 70, I could understand why they'd print a picture of her. 42's nothing. That's still a child. Still a, she only did that one thing. That was all it was. It was just strictly. It wasn't anything special. Dance something down here. Da, da, da. Dance around there. Da, da, da. OK. Finished. Goodbye. Thank you. Uh, sizzling 77 degrees for a summer arise, but only for a day. The three-day forecast. Today, scattered light showers in the north. Uh, in the south, mainly dry with sunny spells. Tomorrow, the north. Here we go again. It's not your, not your year, is it, really? Cloudy and breezy. Rain in the far north. That's like far, far, far north. Uh, in the south, largely dry and cloudy. Uh, Wednesday, the north, windy with showers. So you've got the umbra- umbrellas inside out and you've got rain. And the south, light rain moving south. Because that's all right, isn't it? You can cope, you can cope with that for this, uh, this week. I mean, it is, it is England, the United Kingdom. It is Grand Britannia. You know, that's what we, we expect to have all the seasons in one day. And that's exactly what we've got. Uh, is Damien Hurst sunk? 
Prices for his art are plummeting, his Bond Street shop is shut, he's ditched a grand plan to build a town and his new £50 million shipwreck exhibition is being ridiculed. Well, I thought it looked good. And I'm no flag waver for, for Damien Hurst. He's just an artist I don't know very much about. But I, even I can appreciate what he's done here. He's, he's got Mickey Mouse covered in coral. I think it looks, you know, if, if you found something under the sea for all these years, that's what you'd be expecting, isn't it? So there you go. I mean, that's just... I don't know. They say, if this is the best he can do, then he's in trouble. Why would he worry? He's probably got millions and millions in the bank. He's in trouble, goodness sake. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. 27 minutes to six. I'm Steve Allen with you till seven. Nick Ferrari will be here with breakfast from seven o'clock this morning. And as um, the hot cross bun flavouring makes its way into Easter eggs... uh, and I think it's got about 22,500 calories. I mean, it's a phenomenal amount of calories. I'm looking at the different eggs that they've got here. For example, uh, there's a very nice one here from Fortman Mason. You would expect it to come with a, with a price tag, wouldn't you? And this is the Colossal Egg. It weighs in at 1.4 kilograms. That's sort of almost two dozen chicken eggs. Five different flavoured eggs sit inside each other. And they've got milk chocolate, caramel, chocolate, orange and mint. 90 quid. 90 quid for an egg. Actually, you know, to be honest with you, for the work that goes into it, it doesn't actually seem that bad. I wouldn't buy it myself, but, you know. Uh, then you've got one here from Hotel Chocolat, the classic ostrich egg, uh, which has got 27 chocolates and mini eggs and all the rest of it. That's £75. Hotel Chocolat extra thick chocolate egg, because that's what you want, isn't it? You want an egg that you don't want it to sort of fall apart, and that's, uh, that's reasonably priced, £27. There's one here, this from Chocky Wocky Doodah. Now, Chocky Wocky Doodah do some really super... Egg. This one's terribly expensive. Seriously, this is their Behemoth. And it's... Um, this one here is £250. It's made of the finest quality Belgian milk chocolate, decorated with swirls of dark and orange chocolate. It stands 50 centimetres tall and is bursting with 50 individual caramel mint eggs. But it's £250. I mean, some of Chocky Wocky Doodah's cakes. They used to have a shop in Brighton. That might still have a shop in Brighton. And I used to go in there at Christmas because they used to do uh, naked Santa Clauses in chocolate, which were terribly funny. They were great, great gifts for sort of Christmas. Uh, Marks and Spencer's, 25 quid. Uh, Betty's. Uh, this is quite a pretty egg, actually, here. It's £57.50, made from Swiss Grand Cru chocolate, and the flowers on it are crafted from royal icing. He's lovely. Charbonnet and Walker's Easter egg with truffles, £45. You can obviously get money out of people for this Easter malarkey, can't you? Heavens above. Fortman Mason have got golden praline eggs. They come in like an egg box. And it's a, like an egg. And it's, it's, um, it's got a praline interior. And that's 25 quid. Uh, Heston from Waitrose. Extraordinary dippy Easter egg, 20 quid. And uh, this is crammed with mini eggs filled with sea salt caramel nestling on a pile of edible soil. Actually, freeze-dry passion fruit. He's nothing if not a clever boy, is he? But there's all sorts of ones in here that you can sort of... That there's a little doll here, which is very nice, from a Belgian chocolatier, £125. There's an artisan chocolate balloon, which looks quite clever. That's £25 as well. So uh, you pays your money. There's also, for those people who love Marmite, the Marmite chocolate Easter egg. Uh, now, whether or not you're going to like that, I've got no idea. And somebody's gone completely round the bend, and they've gone and made a gin and tonic Easter egg. And, um, a gin and tonic Easter egg. I'm not really sure I will... See, I, I don't... It's, it's a company called Prestat, 
and and it it sort of looks I don't know, but it, I, I prefer the um, it's also it's got popping candy, which I think is probably the the, the tonic bit. That's what they think it'll be. Uh, that. It's very nice. We don't know how much it is. The egg itself is milk chocolate with lemon oil. Because let's face it, what is gin and tonic without a slice of lemon? Inside, fancy truffles flavoured with gin and lemon and covered in white chocolate. It's very nice, isn't it? It's very, very sort of pretty. And it comes in at, oh, £17.50. <laughs> I love the way somebody says here, it sounds a bit steep for a chocolate egg, but whatever. You know, £17.50. That seems reasonable. Doesn't it? If you're giving that to a loved one or somebody who likes gin and tonic, then that would be OK. But I personally wouldn't be spending £17.50 on an egg. Gin and tonic or otherwise, thank you very much indeed. Other stories in the papers. For, what would I pay for a Prosecco egg? I'm sure they exist. Um, I don't know, actually. £20? £25? I don't know. I don't believe you can actually recreate the uh, the taste of Prosecco in a chocolate egg. But here it is, the limited edition Prosecco egg. Uh, this is um, £27. They've only got 10% left. It's a handcrafted, luxurious milk chocolate egg filled with an exclusive version of our famous Prosecco truffles. It's a masterpiece. Perfect for families, they say. The kids can have the milk chocolate shell and the Prosecco truffles for adults. So if you want to add spice to your barbecue, swap it around. It's not really a Prosecco egg. But it's, it's, it's limited to only 250. It's just a chocolate egg, all right? It doesn't matter how many they've made. You're going to eat the thing. What are you going to do? Keep it for generations to come? Of course not. You're going to eat the thing. It comes decorated with a hand-tied ribbon, as opposed to what? A machine-tied ribbon, I suppose, and gold foil printed tags. I had a word that's original the other day. Chilly, you can't just have one, can you? It's just not physically possible. Seriously, I had no idea. Oh, dear, shan't be doing that again. Uh, Also, the crashed Spitfire. Uh, This was one that was bought in 2014, and it's been put back together. 30 months. Three million pounds, and it flies. It flies. Um, I was thinking the other day, somebody said to me, I said I was watching the Carp Pay Will Come and Take It Away. And this man, who was being particularly violent, somebody said to me, he would have given permission for that to be seen on the television. They're being filmed. You can't just have something on television and, and have it shown on there. You've got to get somebody to sign the release form. Uh, Putin's to blame for all deaths in Syrian nerve gas attack. Uh, So says Michael Fallon, as military tensions in the region increase. He pointed the finger at the Kremlin, blaming it by proxy for the chemical weapons attack by the Syrian president, Bashar al-Assad, on innocent civilians last week. We do wish sometimes people to just be quiet. Just be quiet. We don't want to sort of, you know, draw a veil over it, but I can't help feeling this is not heading in the right direction. Uh, A gang who targeted elderly drivers in a crash for cash... Um, have been jailed. A group of 12 men and women caused 41 accidents in Derbyshire in an illegally claimed money, but uh, they've gone to prison. That's good, isn't it? Nottingham Crown Court heard their targets were lone and elderly drivers. They drove in pairs. The first car got ahead of the target car, then swerved suddenly. The second car would brake violently, forcing the victim to drive into the back of them. The five male ringleaders were each jailed for five years and disqualified for being a director of a company. How lovely. <coughs> I love it when they catch these people. Remember that bus route in, was it Birmingham? Where they had more accidents on this bus route and people claiming whiplash when, in fact, they weren't even on the bus in the first place. Why? Because they were bent. It's as simple as that. Sheridan Smith lighting up the red carpet at the Olivier Awards. She deserves to be there. 
And, uh, as I say, still can't work out why on earth Nancy Delusional was there. That's very odd, isn't it? Very, very odd. Uh, Tomorrow is World Parkinson's Disease Day. And so people will be talking about that on television and radio programmes. There's also the other story, which is quite frightening, that parents have got to buy books at cash-strapped schools. Schools just don't have any money. So they're being asked to pay for textbooks, art materials and sports equipment. Good God. One in six of the members polled said he or she had been asked by the school for money to help with funding. Most said a sum was not specified, but 14 said their school asked for more than 20 quid a month. Ridiculous, isn't it? That's how desperate it's got. Uh, the crime family, whose uh, who's, uh, matriarch died on the M4 trying to rescue a dog, Patricia Connors who was not involved in her family's criminality, even though her two children, her two sons, I think, and the, uh, her husband are in prison. This is the... Uh, they're seeking compassionate prison leave while serving time for kidnap and enslaving two men for 26 years. But, uh, as I say, whether they, whether they come out, I don't know. I don't know whether the prison service then asks people if they want to come out for something like that. Presumably they'll be attached to prison guards. And um, Janet's unlucky in love again. This is Janet Jackson. It's very odd, actually. Um, she's had three husbands, and this is months after giving birth to her first child. And then she also... Didn't she convert? I think she became Muslim. There was a picture of her walking down the street. People couldn't quite work out whether or not this was, this was serious or not. It turns out it was. Also, the shameless mum jailed at last after let-offs for 11 attacks on the police. I don't know what you have to do nowadays to get, uh, to get jailed. But uh, this mother here, she dodged a jail sentence despite 11 attacks, has finally gone to prison after stabbing her boyfriend, Dawn Walker, who comes from Lancashire. Uh, She's jobless, big surprise there, has repeatedly avoided prison for attacking officers. She beat four PCs last year alone after convincing judges she was trying to be a good role model. She's just quite clearly a crook. Ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Anyway, finally, 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 she's gone to, uh, to prison. Uh, last October, the Police Federation officials were furious when a court suspended her eight-week jail term despite her headbutting an official and calling him a, a name. So, uh, nasty piece of work. But anyway, she'll be enjoying prison. Uh, one here from Louise. Uh, we're by the pool in sunny, hot Vietnam. Amazing views and snorkelling. But good to have uh, the LBC app to keep us in touch with home. Yes. And, of course, you're not tempting me with this picture, you know. It's, it's, it looks, it just looks like water and, uh, and hillside. Isn't that funny? Looking at that picture, that isn't how I would imagine Vietnam to look. I don't know why. I don't know what I imagine Vietnam looks like. I don't imagine it looks like that. But uh, it's very pretty if you want to go there. It's another new holiday destination that people are heading out to. Uh, Steve, as a child, I visited uh, Sharon's restaurant in Gants Hill and ate sugar cubes that they had on the table. Do you remember Macintosh toffee and mallow eggs? No... I don't, actually. Toffee and... Ma- what the I t- oh, my, perhaps I vaguely do. I don't know. I remember Toffo. And I remember sweets wrapped. It was a little round thing of toffee. looked like a little tiny drum thing. Wrapped in, like, a greased piece of paper. And you sort of peeled it off. I, I quite like toffee, but only very, very occasionally. Not, so, not sort of for any length of time, it has to be said. Uh, 35 years the Sun have on their front page the campaign for justice. 35 years after the IRA murdered four heroes, they back the family's fight. They want to know who the Hyde Park bomber uh, is. Uh, Four soldiers and some 
horses were killed in the 1982 attack, but the trial of the suspect, uh, John Downey, collapsed due to official blunders, and they want readers to help the families hand a civil court action against Downey so he can finally face up to his, his crimes. Uh, I remember that very well. I remember seeing the pictures. They'll, they'll show you in the, in the sun today exactly what the pictures were of the, of the horses uh, dead on the, uh, the road, just coming back from the barracks. They came from the barracks and they crossed over. You can see them still doing it now. The barracks are just up there inside the, uh, the inner circle. Harry Styles may miss out on his number one with his debut solo single after a Spotify error cost him hundreds of thousands of streams. Is it really so important to get to number one in the charts? I suppose it is nowadays. But you don't need to sell very many records, I've discovered. I thought years ago you had to sell millions to get... No, no, it doesn't come into that at all. And there's so many different ways of doing the uh, the charts. So many different ways. And so, what watching YouTube video counts. Does it really? Good Lord, honestly. It's all changed a bit since my day. And look, a lovely picture of a very depressed horse... Um, looking like, because they, they've got little Harper Becker with an official picture taken of her, which they've now released to the press, like you've never seen Child on Horse before. But uh, they've got a picture of the Beckhams. How unusual, picture them together. Well, he's holding his phone, so I'm assuming conversation has dried up again for the, uh, for the umpteenth time. And, um, and the horse is like, oh, don't take a picture of me, please. I don't want to be involved in this. I'm just a horse. I just sort of wander around with kids on the back. Apparently she was having a riding lesson. Not holding the reins like that, you weren't, darling. Believe you me, I know. I used to go riding quite a lot. Uh, I'll tell you about Anton Deck in a minute. Wrong Anster. Saturday night's not right. After this, you're listening to a podcast from LBC. Now, you tell me whether you think this was a fiddle with Ant and Deck on their Saturday night takeaway. Okay, they always have um, a quiz. Uh, This is win the ads. Okay, so you tell me if you think this is this is fiddled. Quite clearly, a lot of people thought it was. So window cleaner Neil Scott was told we have to accept. They say this on all the programs. We have to accept your first answer in the win the ads competition. But he gave the wrong answer to the final question and then changed his mind. And and there are only two options in this one. Deck asked him in which hand the Statue of Liberty held her torch. Neil hesitated before saying, I'm going to say left. I haven't got a clue. After the live audience audibly groaned, Ant said, you're going to say what? And he said, right, I'm going to say right. That's a fiddle, isn't it? In other words, how many times do you want to have a go at the answer? It is either left or right. Neil said, right, I'm going to say right. Deck then shouted, that's the right answer. And Ant said, I'm not finishing the series on a loser, believe me. Which is a bit odd, because only the other week, uh, a contestant called Joy Norman got a question wrong and lost her haul. But this guy wins a holiday in Mexico, a £20,000 Vauxhall mocker, and a home makeover. Viewers were disappointed that Neil had been allowed to win. Well, it's fiddling. I mean, you're either sort of cheating on a programme. So I'm going to say left, but I don't really have a clue. So the audience goes, oh, and he goes, and then he asks the question again. And he goes, I'm going to say right. You get, so you've had two stabs at this one. And then all, all the programmes say, because they, they're, they're not taking any notes of you. Uh, a show spokesman said, we're thrilled for the contestant. Well, of course you are. You've fiddled it. That's why. It's not good, is it? It's not a good thing to have. I would like... Yeah, that means it's, 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 it's on the lines of the coughing major. So what's the... <coughs> you cheating old man. You and the ghastly one. But, but, but there is only two... There's only 
two answers, aren't there? She's either... It's not like, you know, where is the marble in this picture of where's Wally or something like that. It's either in the right hand or the left. So he gives the wrong answer, and then they ask the question again, and he then goes, I'm going to say right. You go, but you've just said left. Fiddled. Fiddled, ladies and gentlemen. Um, talking of fiddling, there is a, a, there's a lovely car for sale. I found a lovely car for you. You'll like this one. It's a 1996 Mercedes. Um, it's been in the garage for 21 years. You know why? They lost the keys. They've lost the keys. But um, it's only done 80 miles. So it's in perfect condition. Um, although, really, to be honest with you, after 21 years, you'd have to sort of have the engine checked over. That's why if somebody says, oh, it's got really low mileage, you go, mm, it's not very good, is it? You really need something to have a bit of mileage on it. So it, it's been found in Knightsbridge. It could fetch £50,000 at an auction on Wednesday. The auction seller said it's a car with a, a story. Uh, well, of course, it's been sitting in a garage. That's the story. The story is it's been parked. But as I say, not so good, really. Cars need to be... Uh, Need to be driven. Uh, and then the poor kebab shop staff who tried to quell a food fight between two women by pouring coke on them. But the scrappers then scalped another customer. Friends, here we go again, Tammy Connors, 21, and Christina Hewer, 25, flung chicken, chips and donna meat after a night out. In other words, they were drunk. Workers poured the fizzy drinks over their heads in an attempt to stop the brawl, but it turned ugly when customer Janet Crease asked the drunken duo to tidy up their mess. Connors and Hewer knocked her to the ground, kicked her and ripped a golf ball-sized clump of hair from her scalp. The thugs, both from Bristol, denied the attack but were convicted of actual bodily harm. What a ghastly, revolting pair they are. In a statement, Miss Crease says she was scared to leave her house since the ambush at the fish ponds, pizza and grill. She said, I'll not go out again if these are the kind of people I encounter. The judge called the attack ugly. Well, both the women are ugly, aren't they? And he gave sobbing Hewer and Connors suspended jail terms. Well, that doesn't send out the right message. Well, it's going to kick some woman on the ground. Ten years. Ten years in prison. We'll build more prisons if necessary. Let's keep these ghastly people out of it, really. Uh, what else do we have? Loads of pictures of people turning up. Um, um... For, for event ceremonies. People like it. We like going to an awards ceremony. It's an excuse for Nancy Delolio to take herself out of the ground and to dress herself up for the, uh, for the day. But uh, here they are. The race is on to replace Len Goodman on the judging panel. Craig Revel Horwood claimed at the Olivier's that the deal was done and the new head judge would be a woman. Wow. Do you think it's Darcy Bustle? Do you think they've given it to Darcy Bustle? She seems very... Uh, very sort of likely, I think, to actually uh, to actually get something like that. Sheridan Smith looked very good. Apparently she's been battling her weight. Who doesn't? Good heavens above. I tell you, nowadays you can't open up a newspaper without somebody else going, I'm battling my weight. You know, because everybody's battling something nowadays. You're either battling depression, bipolar. We don't read about bipolar anymore. Nobody seems to be talking about bipolar, and yet there must be bipolar people out there. Uh, lovely here uh, of some, uh, some men. Uh, they're, they're lags. And they've been out boozing. They're working in a restaurant on day release from jail and they get wasted on booze in the city centre. Fantastic. What a marvellous system we operate in this country. The men were seen swigging cider on park benches. Uh, the men are bussed in from Category D, HMP Press Code, press code in Usk. Uh, they work as waiters and kitchen staff in Clink Restaurant in Cardiff, run by a charity aiming to reform cons. One of the men went into a shop, came out with six bottles of cider... And a witness said they were chilling and drinking. You'd not think they were lags. Last night, the Ministry of Justice said the prison's investigating. 
They're a bit slow in prisons, aren't they, really? They've got no idea. Sorry, the phones? In, in the... Pr- I don't think so. In the prison? Drugs? In, in here? Don't be so ridiculous. No, seriously, they're dealing. They're dealing. They've all got phones and they're chatting to the outside world. And these old lags are outside. Uh, these were... They were also worried that people... People thought they were smoking synthetic cannabis spice. I don't even know what that is. I'm very out of touch with drugs, I'm afraid, at the uh, the moment. Uh, Bake Off Company takes a £2 million hit, the makers of it. Their profits have slipped two-thirds last year. I don't think they're going to be too worried about something like that at the moment, are they? And um, who's this? This is uh, Danielle Bucks. Why is anybody interested in a picture of Danielle Bucks? She was a nobody before she married Gary Lineker. She's still a nobody at the moment. And uh, so she's sort of... She's sort of she's pregnant by this man, but she seems to be living back with Gary Lineker. It's all very odd, isn't it? Very, very strange. Very strange. Um, it's this, oh, you've got the uh, the Hatton Garden robbery film. Phil Phil Daniels is in it. You know that Phil had a tragedy. You know that he lost his uh, long term partner, uh, Jan. I think they'd been uh, together thirty years, and she had pancreatic cancer. So he nursed her through a couple of years back, I think it was, and, uh, and now he's back where he belongs on the silver screen. He took time off to do. Uh, looking after her. Before that, he'd been doing theatre. And uh, now he's back on the silver screen. He's, a, he's ever such a nice chap. He really is. He's been in a couple of times to me and uh, for In Conversation. I like him a lot. He's a nice person. And I had no idea until I read it in the paper that he'd lost his uh, partner. 30 years. He said, but you have to dust yourself down, pick yourself up and, and carry on. That's what he's done. I can't wait to see this, this film. Because there's one thing that we love about this uh, film uh, is that they're all ancient. And uh, that's so they called them. What do you call them? Diamond, not diamond geezers, diamond weezers. That's right, because they were all so ancient. You've never seen such a bunch of old pond life in your life. Poor old souls, honestly. But uh, anyway, all spending time in prison except one, who disappeared because he was in disguise. Pity the others weren't in disguise. I was always amazed that they managed to sort of drill through. But we love an operation like that, don't we? We, we sort of like it's sort of it's got classic British film written all over it. Had anybody died? And had they been young or something like that, uh, then we wouldn't have liked it so much. But because they were all so ancient and so decrepit, it was... I mean, one of them buried his loot, his loot, if you please, uh, under a gravestone in the cemetery. And I think there's loads of it still missing, which is probably with the bloke who uh, who masterminded the thing. But it's, it's very interesting. I shall look forward to seeing the film. I think it's going to be... Uh, you know, I haven't seen a... I was going to say a decent British film, but as as he said, nobody died. They just broke into a place, and because they were so ancient, people were laughing at them. Poor souls, honestly. Uh, The Line of Duty boss slams the BBC for sanitising violence on the television. I'm always amazed at how much violence there is on the telly, but the creator of Line of Duty says he's under pressure from the BBC to turn down the violence in the hit show. Aren't they funny, the BBC, honestly? You can, you can have all sorts of things operating under their very nose, which they never notice. And yet, you know, have too much violence. Well, we can't have that, you know. Uh, nudity. Oh, nudity's fine. Yes, yes, yes. That's the BBC way forward. Oh, yes, as much nudity as possible. Lesbian. Oh, love lesbian scenes. Yes, we must, must have more of those in the programme. But, uh, no, we mustn't have uh, violence. Can we cut down on the violence? Maybe just mild violence? As if there's such a thing as sort of levels of violence. It's always quite funny. Uh, there's a lawyer as well who's in the paper today. He faces a bill in a four-year battle with his neighbours over their garden shed. Don't ever get into neighbourly disputes. This one's just cost him uh, £140,000. That'll teach you, won't it? And this is a lawyer. 
Uh, he wanted the six-foot-by-four-foot sh- uh, hut demolished, saying it blocked the right-of-way to his home, built in 2010, but the pensioners refused, saying the shed with a raised flower bed dated back to 1973. And so it went on. And uh, the retired publisher, Mr Maskell, says it's a famous shed now. And the poor old lawyer's got a cough up for, the, um, for all the expenses. Why do people do it? Coming up to the news at six o'clock this uh, Monday morning. It's the funeral today of PC Keith Palmer. The road closures around Southwark are in place. I gave you earlier on the route of the cortege. It's two o'clock this afternoon, the funeral, but uh, the roads are already closed off. So if you're heading in that direction, you need to find uh, a different way around it. Uh, Faddy Paddy at Eviction Lies. This is uh, George Michael's ex-boyfriend. The family want to sell the properties and um, and presumably it goes into the pot and then we divide it out depending on what's actually happened. I wonder if George is sitting up there on a cloud looking down going, it's not gone well, has it, this one at all. The Hyde Park bomber must pay and uh, it's the end of morning pints at the airport. Good news. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday morning, the 10th of April. It's Steve Allen with you. Uh, for the next 55 minutes, as we romp through the papers, uh, romp being the operative word, because uh, nobody can quite decide exactly what the main story is at the moment, apart from the uh, the shining of Sheridan Smith at the Laurence Olivier Awards, or the call for the new migrant freeze. Britain needs a five-year ban on unskilled workers to hit targets. I tell you what I am noticing, far more in London now than ever before... People drunk all over the place. I mean, people in doorways. I mean, even when we go here at seven, I mean, we could see about five people. And that's only the ones you can see. That's only the ones you can see. I mean, it's, we've got somebody who is currently um, uh, sleeping. Well, not really sleeping, actually. But he's, uh, he sits on the street begging. But he's not asking for anything. So, consequently, he's not breaking any law. Uh, but he sits there with a sleeping bag wrapped around him, you know, in brilliant sunshine. It's a bit pointless. And then it turned out the other day, people give him food and and uh, money and stuff like that. And then somebody said to me, you know, he's not homeless. I said, well, he's on the street. They went, no, no, he's got a house with his girlfriend. He's feeding a drug habit. I said, oh, brilliant. Just what we need, isn't it, really? But that's everywhere. You don't know. There was a lady who phoned up the other day and she was... Uh, who was she speaking to the other day? It might have been Andrew Castle. And uh, she was talking about how she pitched in to something. Somebody was on the bus abusing the driver and banging on the uh, the thing. And she stood up and said, listen, we need to go home. We're tired and we're fed up. Now get off the bus. And they got off the bus. And uh, and, and I think Andrew said, oh, he said, well, you're very brave. Oh, no, somebody on the bus said to her, you're very brave. She said, no, I'm an idiot. She said, because the person could have turned around, had a knife or something like that. You don't know in this day and age. You know, if, if you're sitting there in a bank and somebody comes in and holds a gun up in front of you, what do you do? I mean, first thing, obviously, is to push, push the shutters down as quick as possible and then lock somebody in. And then it makes a television programme. We all sit there and watch it, don't we? I think there was a robber caught like that in a filling station in America. The shutters came down on the cashier's side and over the front door. So he was trapped. Had to just wait until the police turned up. Uh, somebody's asked me what the name of the bank robbery film is called. Well, you work it out for yourself, OK? It's, it's far, too, uh, far too easy for me to just hand out a title. You do a bit of work on it. Go on. I'm not here as an information pot for you. Thank you very much indeed. You can't work out what a, a robbery in Hatton Garden the film is called. Well, then, seriously, you need to go back to school and try and work it out. I tell you what, it's called Raise the Titanic. OK, there you go. How about that one? Try that one. <laughs> Summer's arrived, but they've said not for Easter. 
They've said cold for Easter. They've actually said the uh, the weather is going to plummet. And yet all the pictures were over the last couple of days. And, of course, all those people who went out. I mean, people were coming out of Costco with trolleys piled high with booze. Obviously, for another one of those booze fueled um, barbecue. That's what the Brits do, isn't it? Get a nice bit of weather and we go, do you know, we must have a barbecue. It's that great British tradition of eating out in the garden. I don't know why. What is the point of it? We've had quite a few barbecues in our time, and uh, I'm always quite happy with them, but, I mean, trying to balance a plate on your lap is not the easiest thing to do. And it's always the same food, isn't it? It's always the same food. It'll either be uh, burgers, or it'll be chicken drumsticks, or it'll be... What else do they have? Uh, Oh, sausages, always very popular, because you either get them burnt completely to a frazzle, or failing that, the meat is pulsating when you bite into it. And pork chops on the barbecue. You had a barbecue. See, it's something quaintly British, isn't it? It's, it's like the British as well like to go and sit in a lay-by and get out a little table and chairs and sit down and have a sandwich by the side of the road as lorries thunder past at 90 miles an hour. Or they can't, they've got limiters. But uh, you get the drift, don't you? The British do that. We go, oh, it's weather. Let's have a barbecue. And it always amazes me that there are people staggering out of shops with barbecues. They obviously don't have a barbecue, but they go, must have a barbecue. Why? It's summer. It's summer. We have barbecues. And so everybody sits out there and then and then you stop. But nobody ever does a pudding. I've never been to a barbecue yet where a pudding has been on offer. And yet apparently the easiest one to do is bananas. Dull, I realise. And you sort of cut the banana. You squeeze a little bit of lemon juice over it. Apparently it stops it turning brown. And you um, and then you, you bake it, I think, in tin foil. And on the bar- nobody ever does that. Nobody ever does it, do they? They don't do that sort of thing at all. I'm, I'm always terribly disappointed that I've been to barbecue. It's like, you know, can we have an ice cream? What for? It's a barbecue. No, you can't have an ice cream either. And uh, Phil Phil Vickery says... Um, he said, wait a minute, where am I going here? Because oh, th- this is... Fi- oh, that's right. Oh, look. That's nice. It's It's food on a barbecue. What is that? Is that steak? You see, I quite like the idea of steak on a barbecue, but that's only for rich people. You can have, I mean, you could have steak on a barbecue, and Phil, Phil's looks quite... They could, mind you, I'm so daft, this actually could be fish, I don't, I don't know. But he had a barbecue yesterday, which looks quite nice. But um, I'll probably end up having one this coming Saturday. I'm going to see the Godshire, we'll probably go, let's not eat out, let's have a barbecue at home. And so they sort of bring in salads and coleslaws and everything else. Nice to hear from you, Phil. This morning, um, I heard Ant say, we couldn't have a loser on the last show. Says Julie. Yes, that's what he said. He said, I wouldn't... You think I'm not having a loser on the last show. But that's called cheating. You know, because there was a previous loser on the show a couple of weeks back and she didn't win anything. So why did they give it to this bloke? Why didn't they go, listen, I don't want a loser. You can have the holiday in Mexico. What, a £20,000 car as well for getting it wrong? I mean, that's just bad form, I'm afraid. Really, gone right down in our estimate. Really, really terrible. Not good at all. Sirloin steak it was. Do you know, I eat... It's going to sound dreadful, isn't it? But if if I buy steak, because it's only for me, I buy fillet steak. But on the odd occasions I've had sirloin steak, I quite like it, because I quite like a little bit of... I notice that you've actually trimmed, Phil. Uh, I I tend to trim mine as well. I'm I'm quite good at that. But um, I never thought about a sirloin steak on a barbecue. I think it's only because it's it's quite expensive, isn't it? But he says, I agree, pudding is always forgotten about... At a barbecue. I think somebody needs to come up with the barbecue... Um, I don't know if there are any books about barbecuing. You know, so what you can do and sort of simple recipes for idiots like me that, you know, or, or the producer who just does sausages or uh, uh, pork chops the other day, which is OK, but they're a bucket to eat, aren't they? 
It's on a plate, you know, you're balancing it on your knee. And so, would you like a drink? Well, holding it with what? At the moment, I'm trying to balance the plate. Oh, I've opened my legs and now it's all gone on the floor. So I'll have to throw that away and start again. And um, here we go. Oh, there we go. Jamie Oliver's got one. The barbecue book. <laughs> Typical, isn't it? It says, goodbye, sad burnt sausages. Hello, bodacious burgers and rad rum ribs. His recipes include, sorry, Phil, cherry wood smoked chicken. This is so pretentious. Uh, as well as candied pork tenderloin, kick-ass fish tacos and grilled tomato, tomato slabs. Can't it just be normal? Why can't it just be normal? I'll tell you what I do like. I do love ribs. I do like ribs. And I can't work out if they're good for you or bad for you, but I, li- I like mm, beer can chicken. I feel sorry for chickens. They don't have a great life, do they? OK, today we're all going into a big shed. I don't want to go into a big shed. You're going into a big shed. And you can go and buy all this stuff now. I mean, and today, because it's overcast, you're not going to do a barbecue today, are you? So yesterday was probably the best thing. And also, nobody ever does chips at a barbecue. Why don't they do chips? Make it more entertaining. You know, and, you know, it'd, it'd be quite nice, you know, just to have some... But uh, puddings. Barbecue puddings, you could call the book. And just do sort of things like the bananas, but come up with something interesting as well. Always have some ice cream there. Oh, there's loads of barbecue books. There's a barbecue Bible as well. Oh, good Lord. I wish I'd never mentioned it. Gone a burnt sausage. Who has burnt sausages anymore? I don't mind a burnt sausage. It's not the highlight of my year, but um, there you go. But uh, there won't be any more opportunity because you've had the, the decent weather. OK, that's it. The next good good thing we've got is uh, is Easter, which is next weekend. Is it another bank holiday? So you get the Easter Friday. So short week this week, ladies and gentlemen, for you. Short week. You get uh, Friday next week and the Monday. So effectively, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, it's four days you've got off. Wow, that is amazing. But, uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're here. Just I'd remind you of that. Uh, Phil says, I do have an outdoor cooking book also. He says, I've got a small fryer. I'm so sorry to hear that. But I'm sure you'll be fine with it. For chips. I always like a little fryer, don't you? You know, like a little... Why do they make a little tiny one? You know, don't, we don't want that big thing with, like, three litres of oil in it. Just a little tiny one. I haven't fried anything for ages. But at this precise moment, I'm quite fancying chips. <laughs> I don't know why. Wish I'd never mentioned it. I'll now be suffering for the, uh, for the rest of the programme. So, um, Phil's is called The Great Outdoors Cookbook. Over 140 recipes for barbecues, campfires, picnics and more. And, uh, and it sells... Well, you can you 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 it's it, it's on it's on offer at the moment. I can actually get a copy fill in paperback for a penny. <laughs> Mind you, postage and packing probably about seven quid or something like that. Very funny, very funny. It's got everything here, including there you go, chocolate banana and caramel wraps. Willie, uh, Phil's got plenty of ideas for dry rubs. Anyway, moving on, we've got other things in the program, well, and things like that in the morning. If it's above, there's young people listening. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty nice heavy company. Six twenty, Chris, uh, who's um, up the uh, up in Cardiff, I think, around about that sort of area. Uh, he says that the clink in Cardiff is brilliant. This is the restaurant which is staffed by um, cons prisoners. He says uh, highly recommended, but it's staffed by some prize donuts. Well, we've seen them sitting on the benches today, but uh, that'll be investigated by the prison services, who are slightly slow. They don't seem to know what's what's really going on at all, I'm afraid. Um, Darren was talking earlier on about people not voting. And as we discovered earlier on, which I, I didn't know before, that if you don't vote in Australia, um, they fine you. They fine you for not uh, for not voting. 
Wouldn't it be great if they brought that in here, wouldn't it? Wouldn't need to add VAT onto all sorts of things. Um, Keith Palmer's pu- uh, funeral takes place uh, today. Two o'clock, uh, the cortege will move off down uh, Millbank. It'll go over Lambeth Bridge and uh, lots of roads around there are closed. Uh, you need to, to check before you go anywhere just to make sure that uh, you can get to where you're going. Um, Scarlett Moffat has, uh, has tweeted about, uh, I'll never forget this moment because she's appeared on television briefly. And, uh, as I say, whether or not she does anything else from now on, we'll have to wait and find out. Brian emails from uh, Thailand. He says, I always have a pudding with my barbecue, either light cheese or strawberries with fresh cream or ice cream. You see, I think light cheese are delicious, but I know people absolutely loathe them. They go, like, oh, that's that perfumed fruit. And I go, yep. Uh, Jenny says, I found your programme and station for the first time ever. I'm loving the tone of your narrative. Good Lord, honestly, an educated person. Where have you crept him from? You're not at university, are you, or something? I love a good moan. Thank you. And uh, Howard says, happy birthday to your Aussie producer, uh, who's 32. He is wanted by the Australian police for impersonating a producer. Oh, no, we think he's very good. We think he's very good. We're, we're, we're more than happy to have him here. It's, it's always an entertainment for us, as you can well imagine. Um, and uh, somebody else says, years ago... They used to gauge the top 20 by how many records were sold, but only at specific record stores. Yes, they were called chart returns uh, until the record companies found out which shops they were. And then all they did, they just sent people in there to buy up loads of copies of particular records. So the shop would say, oh, Steve Allen's record, you know, my boomerang won't come back. Uh, we've only sold, sold one, one copy last week. This week we've sold 100 and so the record company would buy back their own things. It was a right old uh, shenanigans going on for ages and ages. And uh, so they had to change it because you had record companies were going... You could always tell a record. It was called Bought Into The Charts. And there was one particular group. I won't tell you which group it was, but their records always bounced in at number one. And we'd all be going, bought in, bought in. And then the next week, you could tell if it was bought in because it dropped substantially because they weren't buying the records. They just got it to number one, hoping that the next week it might you know, uh, interest a lot more people. And then if you can get them on the television, that would also boost record sales. But, yes, bought-in records in the charts, quite a, quite a common thing in the early days. Then they actually changed. Now it apparently comes down to uh, you watching something on, on YouTube. All these go towards uh, your record shooting up the charts. It's interesting. Uh, and clearly let the guy change his mind. But on this occasion, I could see why. The show was in Disney. And there was a huge build-up to the end. It had to have a happy ending, says Dean. Yes, it might have been. But then what about all the other people? You know, I mean, I'm sorry. We don't do happy endings just because it's Disney. Thank you very much indeed. We have to have it for the other poor lady who, who didn't get anything at all. Because she didn't get... You know, you're either taking... You've either got rules or you've not, or you've not got rules. Because it doesn't matter whether it's in Disney or not. You, ha- you know, a rule is a rule is a rule. It's as simple as that. Um, right, what else we got here? Oh, in the in the sun this morning, they're doing Russia. Um, alongside the uh, the IRA murdering four heroes, they're backing the family's fight there. They want to take out a civil action against uh, this uh, man called John Downey, which collapsed due to official blunders, and they want to, uh, <coughs> excuse me, start it all up again. So I don't know whether or not they'll... They'll be uh, very happy with things like that. I mean, we, we should also remember Ofcom are very strict on the rules around competitions. In fact, I remember once, in fact, the rule was so strict that if you gave people a multiple choice 
it had to have a, an element of skill in it. And I would watch the television and certain TV programmes would go, well, here's your opportunity to win a, a hamper. And uh, we want to know, is the sky A, pink with green spots, B, blue, or C, duck egg yellow? And you think, there's no element of skill there. Unless you're really stupid, you're going to go for duck egg yellow, aren't you? I mean, straight away. <laughs> See, thought I was going to say blue. And, uh, and so there's supposed to be an element of skill. In some of these things, there is no element of skill. What they do, and some of these, you have to watch very carefully on all these competitions on the television, on premium rate numbers. They say this, pro- this competition is being run over three programmes. You can enter for free by post. But I'm one of those cynical people <laughs> who always thought that if it came in by post, they weren't going to enter you into the draw. They're, they're looking for people to spend money on the premium rate phone lines. Yet yeah, there must be loads of people who enter for free. And uh, it used to be like the Reader's Digest. You know, uh, put your answer in the yes envelope, or if you just want to go into the competition, put it in the no envelope. And it was written in big letters. Sorry? No. I mean, I, I was always fascinated by how competitions worked. I've done loads of competitions on the radio. But there's got... If somebody says to you, the rule is, I've got to take your first answer, and you give the wrong answer, and then you go, right, let me ask you... And you go, because the audience have helped him out, you go, that's cheating. Whichever way you look at it, that's cheating. That's like somebody being on Mastermind, and they go, oh, say, so what can you see from uh, from space? Um, would that be... Oh, that be the rainforest in Borneo... No. Oh, wait a minute. Um, Great Wall of China. Yes. Okay. Great Wall of China. Well done. That's cheating. Whichever way. Whichever way. It was the wrong answer that he gave to start with. But he ends up... I mean, you know, at least acknowledge the fact he gave the wrong answer. You know, don't come up with that silly line, you know, because, you know, we wa- I wanted a winner on the last show and all that kind of thing. Well, make up the rules as you go along, but then don't waste our time by telling us there are rules, because quite clearly there's not. Or just give him the holiday. Why give him a £20,000 car? What what message are you sending out? Ooh, so angry. So angry. Um, Easter, gloomy, I'm afraid. I mean, t- traditionally, it's gloomy anyway, isn't it? People go, oh, it's Easter. You go, what do we do on Easter? I don't know. What do we do on Easter? You don't do any other day. I don't know. Yesterday, people, a friend of mine sent me a picture of, um, of a priest, because it was Palm Sunday yesterday. But I don't think anybody acknowledged that in any of the newspapers. I don't think anybody said anything about, oh, by the way, it's Palm Sunday. What happens on Palm Sunday? I don't know. Vickers go out and all the rest of it. Uh, Jill says, going to the Clink restaurant in Brixton jail was a great experience. Wonderful food, but no alcohol. The Clink restaurant. There is actually, and which pub is it in London? Has got in their cellars, they've got some of the original cells from the clink, I'm pretty, and I believe you can ask to go and see them. I believe you can. I'm not too sure about it. Because I think the, the jail was underground. I mean, in the early days, you stayed there. I'm sure it's the clink that it's underground. I'm pretty certain. But uh, we had a... I mean, it goes back from time immemorial, doesn't it, where we were sort of locking people up left, right and centre uh, for misdemeanours. But if you had money, you were OK, because you could give money and you could get the family popping in, bringing you in food and all that sort of stuff. There's... um. An illegal immigrant jailed for a, for a rape attempt will get compensation because he was in prison too long. Um, this is Bashta Abdullah Karani, who sneaked into the UK, racked up a string of offences, including battery, theft and carrying a knife, but was allowed to stay. Then in 2012, he got four years for the South Wales rape bid, making him liable for automatic deportation when freed. The Kurd spent two years inside before being allowed out on licence and was immediately locked up again under immigration laws to prevent him from disappearing. 
But he had no ID papers, so officials couldn't prove his nationality and send him home. So now he's going to get £27,000 compensation, whilst his victim, who was raped, got just £7,000. I mean, you can't make these things up, can you, really? You sometimes wonder whether or not you're living in some stupid dream... You know, which is all people get, well, of course we can't do that. You know, we're not allowed to do that. Because he doesn't have any papers. Well, <laughs> why would that be a problem? Goodness sake, they seem to manage it everywhere else. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 26 minutes to 7. Nick Ferrari with you just after the news in about 26 minutes' time. The UK is preparing to join the US in calling for Putin to withdraw military support for the Assad regime. Do you support that intervention? Nick will be speaking to the former Met Commissioner, Lord John Stevens, as Cressida Dick prepares to step into the role today. Plus, was the Shadow Foreign Secretary, Emily Thornberry, wrong to say poor children are overweight? Or does she have a point? That's all with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 on LBC. I think it's because people don't cook. I think it's because people don't... And also because the high streets are full of fast food places. I've said this before. Everywhere, you know, in my day... God, in my day. Uh, fish and chip shop. And that was about it. But you only had that on a Friday. You never had it every day of the week. Now people have it every day of the week. If you ask kids on the television, I'm quite sure if you ask certain kids on the television, OK, so what did you have for tea yesterday? They'll go pizza. What did you have uh, with that? Uh, Coca-Cola, Orangeade, Fanta, things like that. It's all the stuff that they'll be having. And then what did you have a pudding? Yeah, we had apple pie and custard. OK, great. Uh, what did you have yesterday? Uh, McDonald's. OK, and uh, today... Burger King. OK. And Friday, KFC. That's all people survive on now. You go out there, you can go and buy two pizzas for five ninety nine, and uh, mum doesn't have to cook. I shouldn't imagine the majority of mums who've, who, whose kids are sort of eating that sort of food are probably even never turned on the oven. I should imagine they probably don't even know where it is. They sort of go at the oven, they go, woo, scary. I don't know what that does. What is it? You touch that, whoa, it lights up and everything. Yeah, that means you can sort of heat up something, doesn't it? Like takeaway pizza. But that's what people do now. It's because people don't have the time, even though we are inundated. We're cooking programmes on the television. We're inundated. I mean, you cannot go. I mean, there's a whole network devoted to cooking programmes, which I find fascinating. But if I lived in America, I would be the size of a whale. I know I would, because I've been there before. They don't have any idea of what a small portion is. Seriously, I remember being in Vegas, and I just wanted, oh, can I have some ham sandwiches? <laughs> this was a mistake. Some ham sandwiches and some chips, please. Uh, well, their chips are crisps. You've got to ask for the right thing. And the, and the ham sandwiches, you could have had a small town. I mean, seriously, this plate arrived. It was just overburdened with, um, with ham sandwiches, with lettuce and cucumber and bits of tomato stuck all over it. And I thought... There's no such thing as a small... If you go out to a Chinese restaurant in America, be very careful what you order, because you'll, you'll come away with, I mean, tons of stuff. Each course is a meal for itself. If you order sweet and sour chicken, that's it. Don't order anything else. A little bit. You get so much food over there. It, it really is ridiculous. Oh, bad news tonight. Uh, but apart from that, you've had to go back to work, but it's a short week. You only have to go to Thursday, so that's the good news, is that Jason Manford is taking the reins of the nightly show. Can anybody save this disaster? No, I don't think so. He thinks he can because he's a comedian. But, uh, as I say, they have to do this monologue at the beginning and it just is rubbish. It just doesn't work. It maybe works for people who just want to see themselves on television. That's the only reason you get people into a studio. It's either because they love the programme. He was, he was complaining earlier on, you know, about um, 
about the news. He said, and people say, he said, well, why didn't they watch the news? Well, the news is getting a bigger audience than you were on this programme. Admittedly, we've got a week of suffering with you, or four days, or whatever it is, because everybody else has tried it, and, you know, it's been a disaster from David Walliams all the way through. Nobody can save this show, mainly because nobody gives us stuff. It's as simple as that. It doesn't matter whether it's good or bad. Nobody's going to save it now. It's, it's just completely unsavable. But, of course, ITV have to, have to hang on to these programmes because they've invested money. I'd love to know how much you're being paid for it. Because if they paid David Williams 50,000 quid a show, and he, he took it practically to its knees, I mean, there is no, there is, there's no point, is there? It doesn't really matter. Either something's a turkey or it's not a turkey. And this show... Is a turkey. You're not going to improve it. You're not going to ingratiate yourself to it. You couldn't even manage the one show. Oh, you had a slight problem with the phone. I remember that. I knew there was some reason. I knew there was some reason. Quite right about Ant and Dex, says Nicola. The whole series has been like a children's programme. Well, the trouble is they are getting older. They're in their 40s, aren't they, now? And they're still doing that same thing that they've done years ago, which is basically nicking from all the other good uh, good programmes. Cooking from scratch, says Anna. Much, much better. And um, uh, for us, Good Friday, says Elaine, means going to Planet Thanet Beer Festival at Margate. This is our eighth year of beer sampling. Always a good atmosphere. Of course there is. There's alcohol. There's always a good atmosphere where there's alcohol. But uh, see, it doesn't interest me because I don't do beer. I couldn't, I couldn't be less excited about beer than if you told me there was a fish and chip festival. Now that... That I could go for. I quite fancy the idea of a fish and chip festival. That'd be very good. Steve um, says, Neil, even before Anton Deck helped the guy win all the prizes, the way a random person was picked was very suspect. Stephen Mulhern was dressed as a giant finger running around pointing at people who were in the audience. Oh, I'm, I'm never naive enough to think that everything is as it seems. He says, finally stopped and pointed at the window cleaner. Uh, within a, a mildly second, his name flashed up on the screen. Random? I don't think so. Uh, Fion says, good to have your super Antipodean producer back driving the desk in his bright speedos and flip-flops. I know, a bit embarrassing, isn't it, really, in this sort of weather, but there you go. Uh, James says, the Viaduct Tavern is built on the old Newgate Prison, what is now the Old Bailey. The Viaduct Tavern. Doesn't that sound exciting? I think that sounds really exciting. Very nice. Uh, front pages of the papers. You need to, uh, need to know what's going on in the world, apart from uh, today, of course, is the funeral of PC Keith Palmer. Um... I think it'll probably take them about half an hour to get where they're going because the roads will be completely clear for the cortege which uh, which will leave the Palace of Westminster. Go left down Millbank, it'll go over Lambeth Bridge and it will then make its way to Southwark Cathedral. Uh, call the midwife, as in the papers, gets its first black nurse. Make a big deal about this nowadays, don't they, really? Which I thought the whole NHS would collapse if it wasn't for all those uh, hard-working nurses. Uh, Faddy Paddy at Eviction Lies. Uh, he says he's not being evicted. The family are saying they're going to sell the houses. I, don't, I mean, I don't know. Does he own anything? Probably not. But he's been offered uh, money to write a book about his uh, four years. Isn't it funny? People write stories about people. They had a brief relationship now. You know, you have a relationship with somebody. Somebody goes, do you want to do a book about that? They go, um, not really, no. I mean, what are we going to say? We went out. He was stoned. He came back. We sat watching television. He fell asleep. I don't know. I don't know how much more exciting it can be. Did he take him out anywhere? Are there photos? Well, you know, who would buy the book? Would it be a fan of George Michael or just people who are curious? I mean, one of the papers will serialise it because George Michael is is very much, you know, of the moment. Uh, End for morning pints at the airport. The government's trying to stop you going to the airport. (coughs) Excuse me. And, um, And having a drink before you board a flight. 
Because you do get people that go, I'm on holiday and it starts at the airport. Yeah, go and have a drink. I couldn't face an alcoholic drink at that time of the morning. I really couldn't. It just doesn't... Uh, just doesn't work for me at all. But I r- appreciate some people like that. A friend of mine, I told you, he, he flies first class across the Atlantic and everything else. And all he does is he drinks. From the moment the plane takes off, he's quite happily drinking and chatting and everything else. And that's, that's how he gets across the, uh, the oceans of the world. Well done to all the people at the Olivia's last night, because that makes all the papers today. Uh, Billy Piper, getting one. Harry Potter, nine, nine little... Uh, Little awards, which is absolutely fantastic. They must be delighted. I'm told by one of my producers, Julian, that uh, it is the most amazing show with the most amazing effects. And that's why I wanted an American in Paris to win, because I thought that the set design on that was nothing short of spectacular. And the cast were really hard, so I thought they were great. Front pages of the papers. Uh, The Express this morning, Sheridan Smith shining at the Theatre Awards. She's been... Telling people that she's had problems with her weight. But again, that's the great British preoccupation, isn't it? Everybody's got problems with their weight. Also, the British father, victim of the terror attack, called for new migrant freeze. Britain needs a five-year ban on unskilled workers to hit targets. Uh, hottest day of the year, but Easter chill is on the way, say the Express. Uh, the Mirror today, drop a dress size and eat Easter chocolates. I don't want to drop a dress size. I really don't want to. Why should I want to drop a dress size? But uh, you can eat Easter chocolates. They say, honestly, with our great holiday diet, and it's so many calories, isn't it? But as I've told you before, you want to lose weight, little, often, and exercise. OK, that's all it is. Little, often, and exercise. There's no big deal to it. You've just got to educate your stomach to accept less food. But it's not easy. Skint schools on the front of the mirror, forced to beg parents for cash. Uh, one school, 20 quid a month, they were asking parents, can you help us out? Because they can't, they can't manage. They really can't manage. They, they need help. It's ridiculous, isn't it? Absolutely ridiculous. Because we're giving money to so many other countries. Should be giving it to our schools, I think. The Russians, we will hit back with force. I wouldn't like to push it too far, but uh, I think we're heading in the wrong direction there. Uh, plus the front of the, uh, the sun this morning. They're doing this story I mentioned earlier on. 35 years after the IRA murdered four heroes, they back the family's fight. The Hyde Park bomber must pay. And... Uh, Four soldiers and seven cavalry horses were killed. And I don't think anybody will ever forget the uh, the pictures on the road of um, of horses uh, that were literally blown to pieces and the soldiers as well who were with them. And uh, as I say, it's 35 years on, but I remember it like it was yesterday. The pictures just bring it all back to you. Also, Russia in war threats to the West. Russia warning of a conventional war against the West if the G7 nations issue it with an ultimatum over Syria. I love the way that uh, old Putin thinks he can just wander in, shirt off, you know, and uh, and do anything just about anywhere, because there's going to be repercussions. There's going to be repercussions. The Daily Mail, uh, Russia ups the ante. Russia and Iranian forces last night warned Donald Trump they would retaliate with military action if he launched more airstrikes on Syria in an ominous threat raising the prospect of war They said the US president had crossed a red line with his surprise missile bombardment on Bashir al-Assad's forces. From now on, we will respond with force to any breach of red lines. And America knows our ability to respond well, the military chief said in a joint statement. So has this actually come from Putin or is this the military chiefs who are sort of waving their little rattles as they sort of climb out of their cots in the morning? But uh, Boris Johnson will today lead a push for Russia to face tough new sanctions unless it withdraws its support for Assad. Wait and see where that one goes, shall we? You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, everybody. 12 minutes to 7. 12 minutes. Apparently, the courthouse on Great Marlborough Street has the old court cells in the bar area, says Tony. Always great fun. And uh, Mina says, I've booked off Tuesday through Thursday and then have a four-day weekend. I've got that Friday feeling today, but I will be listening to the show. And Katie says, I walk past a young girl and presumably her brother in school uniforms waiting at the bus stop. Every morning she works her way through one of those packets of five small cakes and a can of fizzy drink. And he has one of those huge bottles of Galaxy. What's Galaxy? I don't know what Galaxy is. A huge bottle of Galaxy. Oh, bar of chocolate. Oh, right. No, she says, and huge bottles of Galaxy. Doesn't come in bottles, does it, Galaxy? Perhaps you mean bars. Perhaps you mean bars. Uh, front page of the Daily Star this morning. <coughs> uh, Mel B's £5 million payoff to Sex Monster X. Uh, Hubby gets his own island in divorce deal. Like you, that they're always popping up for sale, aren't they? So, uh, this, uh, why would she be offering a divorce deal? He's, he's waiting for his day in court. Unless, as I say, we're going to be hearing stuff out of the... Uh, out of the uh, the court case that we don't want to hear, because I suspect it's all going to be dragged through the mud, isn't it? They're going to be, you know, if it really is going to get very, very messy, then uh, the papers are going to be rubbing their hands with glee. They haven't had something like this for ages and ages. And if it's a, an abusive relationship and somebody who is known for being abusive and it comes out in court, well, there you go. That's what's going to make the papers. Plus, poor old Katie Delusional Price... Uh, believing that people are seriously interested in anything she does, uh, wants to do an X-rated late-night version of Loose Women. She can barely string two words together. It's apparently to show her her filthy sense of humour. And why would that be of any interest? That would be of no interest to anybody. I can't see any any uh, company commissioning a part of old rubbish like that. What, you just sit there and sort of spout rubbish or something? I don't quite understand how it's going to work. But nevertheless, uh, never let it be said that she can't come up with a bad idea. Uh, the Guardian... Uh, no words for how missed he will be. This is uh, Chris Bevington, a Briton named as one of four people killed in that truck attack in Stockholm on Friday. Russian fury at Johnson's snub as the Syrian tensions rise. Um, the other story is uh, the calls for the appalling system to change as Labour areas bear the brunt of the cost. Most refugees sent to the poorest parts of the UK. I don't even know what the poor parts of the UK are, but I'm sure that somebody will probably point it out before we uh, go too far. Uh, also, dozens killed in the Egyptian church blast. This is in the uh, the Coptic Christian community. I think, <coughs> excuse me, at least 43 people in two churches packed for Palm Sunday Mass. The bombings follow a spate of attacks on Egypt's Coptic minority that's been blamed for the jihadi group's local affiliate. In December, ISIS released a chilling video in which it called on its supporters to kill Egyptian Christians wherever they found them. The attacks against Christians by ISIS militants have created a deadly threat to the ancient community, which has been a victim of the country's polarisation following the failed revolution in 2011. Trump sends carrier, this is front page of the Financial Times, Trump sends carrier to waters off Korea in show of US naval power. It really is. It's like sort of some kid being let loose in the sweet shop, isn't it? And he's got the money to buy all the sweets. So now we're going to have this. And uh, that makes the front of, uh, of a lot of the papers today. The Russia and Iran who threaten the new con- uh, conflict. Moscow and Tehran escalate hostilities with the West and vow to respond with force if Trump attacks Assad again. Britain's relations with Russia collapse as the Kremlin hits out at Boris Johnson over the cancelled trip. Why can't people just... I mean, you know, you feel you could wave a magic wand, don't you, really? You can't. I wish we could. The Foreign Secretary trying to build a G7 alliance that would deliver Syrian ultimatum to Putin and the US warships sent to the Korean peninsula amid growing concern about North Korea's missiles. Whew, dear me. And the daughter Ivanka 
who talked her father into the U-turn on attacking Syria. Uh, I think she's the one who sort of convinced him of doing, you know, all of these things. There's a, a picture inside uh, North Korea uh, in one of their beautiful halls that they have, absolutely packed, everybody in military uniform, everybody. And uh, here, North Korea's vowed to fast-track its nuclear programme. Uh, the US warships... Uh, heading to the Korean Peninsula. They're big. And the Chinese media waiting for Xi to leave Florida and then turn on weak Trump. Interesting, isn't it? I thought they'd have to wait till he left, otherwise it could have been absolute ructions. front of the uh, the Telegraph uh, today, here be dragons, the amazing Jim Broadbent, the new star of Game of Thrones, uh, and also the two-minute exercise to stop snoring. Now, every time I mention snoring on this programme, you'd be amazed how much response you get. It's obviously a big problem for a lot of people. So I'm not actually going to go into it. It features in the health section of the Daily Telegraph. So <clears throat> if you're one of those people who snores, I can imagine what a nightmare it must be. And uh, hopefully, you know, we can we can get round it. I always thought I told you it was this injection years ago, which um, which sort of was at the back of the throat. That's the bit that vibrates, that creates the snoring, isn't it? Perhaps she means galaxy milkshake, says Stuart. I'm amazed you know about these things. There is a galaxy milkshake. Good grief, honestly. That's all we need, isn't it? That's everybody telling me about galaxy milkshakes. Oh, right. I have to be honest, I, I have a particular liking for, for chocolate milkshakes. And um, I think there's one which is sold, I think, in Iceland. It's Moo Cow or something. It sounds rather stupid, I realise. But uh, that, that was quite nice. You could mix the banana and the chocolate together to get a very interesting combination. Uh, also, Harry Potter's Night of Magic at the Olivier's. This is front page of the, of the tele- <coughs> Telegraph. They choked then, just the, the excitement of the whole thing. I mean, nine awards they walked away with. I mean, I think that's best of all time. That even beat Matilda. Even beat Matilda. But, you know, much as I love the Olivier Awards, I'd still recommend you to go and see uh, Kinky Boots, which is fantastic, and An American in Paris. <laughs> because I just thought it was... You'll marvel at the set. You'll sit there thinking, how do they do that? Apparently you do the same in Harry Potter. How do they do that? How is how is How does that work? That's what people were saying in there. The pay of the Southern Rail boss almost doubles. Did it affect people going to Aintree? We had these strikes, didn't we? The rail strikes. I just seen loads of people there, as usual. Perhaps the really badly dressed people couldn't get there, so I suppose that can, can only be good news, can't it? You have to leave earlier, don't you, just to make sure you get there. I don't like the idea of just going to... I've been to racetracks before. It's all right, but I'd rather watch it on the telly. Uh, the salary paid to the boss of Southern Rail has almost doubled to nearly £500,000 in a year of strike chaos and delay. Uh, Charles Horton's pay went from 263000 in the 2015 financial year to 478000 despite the parent company, which is Govia Thameslink, losing more than £15 million. Wow. Also, uh, Parliament risks being plunged into a new scandal as rules to govern MPs' behaviour lag behind other workplaces. Uh, Sharon Darcy says the rules have not kept up with public expectations, while MPs have limited appetite for change, which leaves many reluctant to join the committee to hold colleagues to account. Writing in today's Daily Telegraph, Miss Darcy, one of seven lay members of the committee, says the rules focus on MPs' finances and miss wider questions of conflict of interest that can be equally corrosive. I can read more on that. In the paper today, but uh, also the Chinese takeaway Hamilton stores, uh, storms to a Shanghai victory. Is that tennis? Something like that. Is that Formula One? Right, it's Formula One, apparently. There you go. You see, what do I know about these? It's pointless asking me anything about that. I've got no idea. A friend of mine said to me earlier on this morning, he said, you're of the age now, he said, where golf should appeal to you. How, 
How rude is that? Honestly. Well, so I'm some poor doddery old thing that wanders around. At, well, I'd, I'd take the golf cart. You know, I wouldn't actually be walking anywhere. And then you uh, six iron? Oh, six iron. Yeah. Four? You know, some, I don't know. Uh, all I know is they have a birdie, an eagle and something else. And an albatross. That's about as far as I know. I didn't even know about the albatross bit. Oh, look. Three members of the royal family out doing another appearance. And this is um, Prince of Wales... He's shrinking, you know. He's definitely getting smaller. I'm totally convinced. Every time I see a picture of Charles with the boys, he looks so he's shrinking. And, um, um, no mention, have you noticed? No mention of Harry's girlfriend for a little while. Maybe cooling? Maybe cooling a little bit? Or is she over here? No, I don't think so. But uh, they were marking the centenary of the Battle of uh, Vimy Ridge near Arras in northern France. So you get, um, Harry, William... They're all losing their hair, aren't they? Everybody's losing their hair. Charles has sort of hung on to his a little bit, but it always looks like it's such a mess. Always looks like such a mess. A little bit like poor Steve Dixon on Sky News when he got sort of blown apart by a gale the other day when they sent him out on location. Honestly, I seriously felt for the poor boy. Britain to push for tough new sanctions on Putin. We must punish Russia for Assad support, Johnson's tell, Johnson tells the West. Oh, God. What does that mean? What do you mean we must punish I'd love to know what they mean by this. So we've got a we've got a rough idea where we're coming from. Perhaps we should just get rid of the embassy over here. It seems that they're they're sort of coming up with all sorts of things, and I don't really know uh, whether or not. I mean, know that the um, the foreign secretary is working close with Rex Tillerson, his U.S. counterpart, to put public and private pressure on the Russians to withdraw their support for Assad. Do you think that's going to happen anytime soon? You want to put money on it? What if you'd find a betting shop that would take odds on that or uh, odds on something even worse happening? Also, the NHS seeking £10 billion cash boost from hedge funds. Uh, that's to repair hospitals and beef up GP care. Oh, blimey. That'll be the miracle of all miracles, won't it? I think the NHS is brilliant. I do. I think there's people abusing the system, but uh, uh, they've always been doing things like that. That's it for this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your uh, company. Uh, we will be covering the, uh, the funeral today. And that uh, funeral kicks off at two o'clock this afternoon for PC Keith Palmer. But I suspect uh, all that area around Parliament Square will be closed as the cortege makes its way to Southwark Cathedral. We'll be covering that on LBC. Uh, Nick Ferrari with you after the news at uh, seven. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app. Go to lbc.co.uk. And uh, that way you get a free podcast from us every day. Slightly cruel about celebrities, but that's what they're there for. They're there to be objects of fun. Leading Britain's conversation at 10, in for James O'Brien this week. It's Majid Nawaz. But next, as I say, with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.